0: Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's
1: your host, Michael Ball. I think it was last summer I was in Foam Lake for a wedding. I didn't know that was the best place in the world to live. Wow, I'll have to pay more attention next time in town. Foam Lake. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. This is a nice town. I just didn't realize. Great. That's town. a that's a big statement when you say that's the best place in the world to live. It's better than I, Paris. I better hunker down and check things out. I mean, I I've always thought to myself, if I hit a lottery, I want to win and live in San Diego. I didn't think I wanted to live in Foam Lake, but who knew? <laughs> Uh, I am Michael Ball. That is Sean Kleisinger across the board from me. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. I know you're all waiting to know the world women's curling score. So let's get to it. Germany loses to or beats Canada, pardon me, eight to three earlier today. In Canada, just finished off Korea eight six to stay in the playoff hunt. So Carrie Anderson still in the mix at the World Women's in Switzerland. Uh, If you want to weigh in on the show nine three six six two sixty two is our text line powered by the Capital Auto Mall and all our guests, and we do have many today as we always do in the sports cage because we talk sports we don't have a bracket where we have oh, your favorite shows against What's each your other favorite, favorite shows Go- golden girls against quarter gas <laughs> would you call me because i don't really know
2: anything about sports anyway, talk about something for 25 yeah, yeah, minutes yeah
1: yeah yeah uh, now never mind i don't want to get into it anyway so uh, let's do this would you hit that for me please
0: It's going to be a touchdown for Chapman Sullivan. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Balsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day.
1: So, six stories that we've handpicked. Obviously, the Key and Schaefer-Baker one is big with the hip surgery. He had it uh, recently in the off-season here. Should be ready to go at some point this season, but will probably miss the first part of the year. Now, everybody's saying Justin Dunk broke the story, and Justin Dunk does great work over Three Down Nation, but I have to give props where props are due. Jason Fichter, who listens to the show from the Ryder Prider fan page, he had told me about this and had mentioned it on his page long before it was long before long before but I didn't listen there are stories I sit on because of who I am like in terms of being the voice of the riders and I don't sometimes it's not worth it to rock the boat so I sat on it for a while congratulations to Jason for breaking it and then of course Justin Dunk taking credit for it Uh, we'll have Jeremy, Jeremy O'Day on to talk before the end of the show about that and other things from the combine All right. so and hey We'll get him back in. We've got enough with the likes of Jake Weineke and stuff to to tread water till we get our explosive receiver back. Speaking of Weineke, he joins us too after 5 o'clock. All right, so that's number one on the pick six. Number two on the pick six, Zinger, you got to weigh in on this. How about this? The WBC. Wow, we had talked about it. Will we see, Zinger, will we get a chance to see Shohei Otani? Pitch to his teammate Mike Trout for all the marbles, and we did. Bottom of the ninth, and dude fans Mike Trout. Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player we have ever seen, with all due respect to Babe Ruth. Man, it's hard to argue
2: that, man. And not only just three strikes. Not just three strikes, Ballsy. Three swinging strikes. Oh, it's unbelievable. And I saw a stat where Mike Trout, he's only struck out... Three times swinging and an mm. at-bat like 26 mm. times in his career.
1: Before uh, we move on from this in the pick six, Connor McDavid said today, even quoted that, wasn't that something to see Otani pitch the trout? That's what we need in hockey. <laughs> You're right, Connor. Connor and the NHL are missing the boat big time because of that little pipsqueak, Gary Bettman. Another failure by Bettman. What are you doing? We haven't had a true best-on-best best since 20. 20- 14. 14 What they need to They have the Young Stars BS in 2016 Either that or we need a World Cup We need to have a real World Cup Let's go hockey You're falling behind That was great for baseball I loved it Well um, Washington Capitals winger Alex Ovechkin Passed Wayne Gretzky For the most 40 goal seasons In an NHL career Here's what you need to know Ovechkin scored the goal at 5:12 in the first period. He now has 1340 goal seasons, the most in NHL history. Gretzky second at 12, followed by Marcel Dion and Mario Lemieux at 10 each. Ovechkin's got 820 goals. Gretzky's got 894. Um, and he only becomes the fourth player in NHL history to score 40 or more goals at the age of 37. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to Ovechkin breaking Gretzky's record. I don't know Me about too. you, but I am looking forward to that for sure. All right, let's get to the next one here. Uh, SJHL playoffs. Estevan rallies with two in the third and gets the winner in overtime to beat Flin Flon 4-3. Bombers still up two games to one. We'll hear from the Bombers coach Mike Reagan on the show. That's right. We got everybody on this damn show today. Dazza Mitchell made 43 saves and a losing cause for the Weyburn Red Wings. North Battleford blank Weyburn 3-0. Stars are up two games to one. The LaRange Ice Wolves took a 2-1 series lead versus the Melford Mustangs following a thrilling 4-3 overtime victory. Uh, The Ice Wolves were forced to move their game before the game because they had major ice issues at the Mel Heglin Uniplex. So they moved the thing to the JRMCC And uh, they win in overtime. And elsewhere, it was um, a great game in Nipwood at the Hawks' nest. The shots on goal were 43-41 in favor of Humboldt, but the Hawks found a way to win 4-3 and climb back into their series down two games to one. Let's get to this one here if we can. Uh, we will tell you that the NHL players, 626 players, took part once again in their annual survey. And uh, just give me one second here. I'm going to call this up and we'll go through a couple of these if I can. Zinger, hold on. I got to find this. Here we are. Here we go. Let's get to it here. So, which goalie, if you had to win one game, would you have? Andre Vasilevsky won that one, beating out the likes of Igor Shosturkin, Mark Andre Fleury, and Connor. Hellebuck, in a must-win game, which forward do you think would be the most impactful? Connor McDavid, by a landslide. Uh, Elsewhere, who's the top defenseman in the game? By a long shot, Kale McCarr of the Avs. Who's the best stick handler? Patrick Kane just beat out Connor McDavid. Interesting. Who's the best passer? Leon Dreisaitl. Who's the most complete player? The players voted... That it was Sidney Crosby. Which player do you least enjoy playing against? Who do you think it is? Tom Wilson. Nope. Brad Marchand. Connor, oh, Connor McDavid one. was second because obviously he's, so he's, good. he's the toughest to play against. So yeah, there you go. The uh, the poll from NHL players. And lastly, I did get this. People were laughing at me about my <laughs> the fact they said the Argos had the third best uni in the CFL. We've done this before, but I'm going to rank the best unis in the CFL. All right, here we go. Riders retro, number one. Number two, BC Lion home jerseys with those helmets. I love those helmets. Argos homes with the baby blue pants. I wish they would have worn that in the Grey Cup. tie Cats homes with the yellow pants. Number five, the Blue Bombers home, gold, blue and gold. Number six, the Edmonton Elks home uniforms, like your Green Bay Packer colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, the Red Blacks, Red Home Uniforms with the Black Pants. I like those ones. Number eight, the Stampeders, Red Homes with the Black Pants. And number nine, the Alouettes. Home jerseys, but overall, I think the CFL has got it right with their unis. They do a pretty good job. One, each team has one combination that's pretty good.
2: I just think the Red Blacks they have too much going on in their unis. Okay, they have too much going on. I think Montreal <laughs> is a little too low on your list there. Like Montreal, oh. their their unis are okay. pretty crispy, man. Well,
1: maybe we'll get into Zinger's unis once again in a retake. There, we'll take a break here from Cody Glyden and more of the sports cage in a moment on six twenty CKRM.
0: Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm Michael Ball with Sean Kleisinger. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Let's fire up this text line. Get us some questions going here. Let us know where you're listening from. We'll give you a shout-out, 936-6262. We got a text yesterday, Zinger, and I saved it to today because I wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into what's going on uh, in terms of how I thought about this. Somebody asked, who won free agency? Let's dive, baby. Okay, so uh, I think the team that, on paper at least, that um, lost free agency, in my opinion, the Calgary Stampeders. Like they, they got uh, Julian House there out of uh, Hamilton, Brandon Dozier, Mike Ahway, the much-traveled physical linebacker, but going out the door, Ora Molade, Sean Bain Jr., Javian Elliott, Elliot, uh, Stephen Banks, or um, Jameer Thurman, Fraser Sopic, Sean Lemon. The only thing with Calgary is they're the best at finding talent, so. Maybe a little arrogance there that, okay, we don't have to pay because we'll find guys. Is
2: Dave Dickinson... Possibly confused because he's the GM and head coach <laughs> yeah. now.
1: Does he just like, oh, yeah. I forgot to do that part yeah, of my job. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. John Huffnagel, still the I know. GM. They just, they're just they just squirreling money. I'm just a radio idiot.
2: I uh. like saying
1: things like Montreal, that. Montreal, I think, had the next best, like the second worst, if I can say it that way, free agency. A lot of that had to do with their ownership. They lost the likes of Trevor Harris and Geno Lewis. They got Fajardo. They got <laughs> Justin Lawrence. They got James Tuck, Jamal Roll, Greg Ellingson, Walter Fletcher. Siante Evans, Jay Cardi, Vincent Desjardins. You laugh. Is Cody going to have a bounce back gear? No. He's not going
2: to have a. He, no, he's not. Okay. He's, he's not very good. Okay. He can't okay. throw the football. He's not, he's not accurate. When Jason Moss said yesterday in the media availability that yeah. Fajardo was accurate, I was kind of like. Ah. Are we talking about the same Cody Pichardo? You're <laughs> like the guy can, the guy can't throw a football, Ballsy. Come
1: now, on. Now, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but I think the the seventh best team in free agency, and once again, you don't win on paper. Ottawa Red Blacks, adding the likes of Cariel Brooks, jo- Jovan Santos Knox, Michael Wakefield, Gary Johnson Jr., who we know, Shaq Evans, uh, Milanovic, Lee trade fullback, uh, Lamar Durant, they got uh, Kene back, so Ottawa seven. Six, I got... Chris Jones and the uh Edmonton Elks, or mm-hmm. should I say Edmonton Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. They've got Kyron Moore, they got um uh Luches Pirafoy, they got A. C. Leonard, Gino Lewis, Gino Lewis is a big oh. one, Josiah St. John, Kevin Francis, Toby Antigua, uh, Domagala the kicker, Hakeem Johnson, the DB out of BC. Like they spent pretty well. Um, but I mean it's a lot of uh kind of who you know, right? Uh, Chris needs to win there, and he's aligning himself with the players that he helped bring into this league. A lot of former Rough Riders. There, it's interesting
2: because so. they spent big-time money on Kenny Lawler last year, yep. and then now they're doing the same thing with Geno Lewis. Yep. You would think, since they sucked so bad last year, maybe a bit of a change of pace the mm, way maybe. you do things, but
1: I guess not. Five, I got uh, the BC Lions. Now, they lost Nathan Rourke because he went to the NFL, so that does hurt. It's hard to replace that. Uh, they got uh, Dominique Davis at quarterback, and somehow he's number two in the depth chart right now ahead of Dane Evans. They added Dane Evans uh, via a trade. So Dane Evans comes over there. Um, So it's not really free agency, but we'll say it's free agency. They get the Lemonator, who had a great year last year. Mike Jones, uh, Michael Couture, the center, Justin McInnes from the Riders, Jordan Herdman-Reed, Chris Schluger, offensive lineman from Montreal. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with BC at number uh, five. Are you picking up what I'm putting down so far, basically? Yeah, I think
2: it was asked yesterday of Ryan Dinwiddie, who he thought had the best free agency. And I think he mentioned the BC Lions right off the bat, which is kind of interesting. Really? But uh, the, the, uh, when I first heard it, I was like, huh? Uh, so, they were okay. Uh, I think I'd more so agree in with my, your take. In I'm my not just opinion, saying that because in, they're here.
1: In my opinion, it, middle of the pack, yeah. Winnipeg? They signed a lot of guys before free agency started. So Kolaros is back, which he's the best quarterback in the league. He signed a lot. Uh, yeah, Stanley yeah. Bryant, uh, Big Hill, Dembski. They got lost to Ellingson, but replaced him with a better option in Lawler, Willie Jefferson. But here's my question: Just among the Jeff Coates back. They've they've kept the culture intact. It's obviously been a winning formula, but at some point, Zinger, you become too old. Are they becoming too old? I think they're right on the edge of oh, becoming
2: too old. They're right on the fence right now. If they're not old already, man, like how many times are they going to run this thing back? I you know, now in the
1: CFL. In be, fa- to, oh, sorry. No, Go in ahead. fairness to them, though, Zinger. In the CFL, it's not a 32-team league, so it shouldn't take you a long time to rebuild. It's more like a reload, right? Yeah, I guess, but... You know, who am I to say this? They've been
2: to the Grey Cup three straight years, so until they yeah, don't 100%. make the Grey Cup, I guess, yeah. they're fine.
1: You talked about Dinwiddie. At number three, I've got uh, the Argos. Uh, they got a Darius Pickett, Oral Malade, Thomas Costigan, the physical D-lineman. Uh, they've got... Uh, Mario Vella Miser, a depth of fullback from BC. Sirocco, that great offensive lineman, Darius Sirocco coming over from Ottawa. Then Mwambo resigns. Ambles resigns. Andrew Harris, who's a good locker room leader, resigns. Giddens is back. Yeah, that's right. I like what Toronto did. Toronto's got a great team. They are poised to repeat and win the East, but I, their quarterback, that's the thing. They got Chad Kelly and a bunch of unproven guys. They're taking the BC Lions approach from last year. They're paying minimal money to Chad Kelly. Yep,
2: And that's why they have a great roster around them. Well, it's not 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 to say they're
1: doing it wrong. I picked a number three. The number two team in free agency, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They got, I think, the second best quarterback available. Now, you said it would be really interesting if he turns out to be the best quarterback available in Trevor Harris. Because... Let's be honest. I did want Bo here, but Bo Levi-Mitchell was a backup at the end of the year, mm-hmm. where Trevor Harris started as a backup, came off the bench, and led the Montreal Alouettes in their first playoff, I think, since 2014. So Trevor Harris could have been the best quarterback available in free agency.
2: That's why I have the Riders at number one, because okay. I, I feel like we got the best quarterback. Okay,
1: so I got the Riders at two because of that. Trevor Harris. Uh, now, he could be better than BLM. They got Peter Godber. Philip Blake, two great additions on the O-line. They got Sean Bain Jr., Jake Weineke, who we're going to hear from, Darrell Walker, veteran receiver, who could be one of those under-the-radar signings, Micah Johnson, Pete Robertson, Anthony Lanier II, which was huge, huge Roland Milligan, Larry Dean, which was a nice add, Micah Tites is back, Kean Schaefer Baker, once he comes back from that hip injury, and Jawan Breskison could be under the radar too. His biggest thing is he can't stay healthy lately. If he can stay healthy, look out.
2: Uh, I just came to mind. Excuse me for my tomfoolery if something's already happened, but where's Mike Adam at? Mike Adam hasn't signed with nah, anyone, yet, yeah. has he? From that's what I, under, a, that's from the what one I understand, ru- hole on our ru- ru- defense. Ru- we Ryder, have no safety.
1: Ryder. Well, we got Macombo. Yeah, we got Dearborn. Uh, Macombo. Locombo can move over there. Dulky can move over there. Just saying, you know, it would
2: be nice to have him back. He's a pretty good
1: player. He, he, I don't don't want his career to end the way it ended. I don't think the Riders are interested in bringing him back. I don't like that. (laughs) And uh, lastly, I think now you got the Riders at one, then you have Hamilton at two.
2: Mm, Yeah. And I've
1: got Hamilton at one. Bo Levi Mitchell, right now, I think second best quarterback in the league, uh, although I'm hoping Harris is. Joel Figueroa. James Butler, Duke Williams, Ja'Gara Davis, who all he ever does is go to the Grey Cup every yeah. year he's been in the league. Jameer Thurman comes over from Calgary. Chris Edwards from Toronto. Casey Sales from Winnipeg. They did a pretty good job. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention too at Edmonton. Uh, besides Geno Lewis... They picked uh stephen Dunbar jr off the from hamilton from yep. hamilton yeah he 's a good
2: receiver man. i just
1: i just i want to see a little more from Taylor Cornelius before i edmonton could could jump up the rankings when we look in hindsight and this just depends on their quarterback but i think I think it comes down to this. I still think Bo Levi Mitchell's going to have a bounce-back year, and I think he was the best quarterback on the market, slightly ahead of Trevor Harris, mm. with all due respect to Trevor. I'm hoping I'm wrong, and that's why I got Hamilton 1 and Saskatchewan I hope he has a
2: good year, too. just for the sake of the league, but there's a piece of me that's kind of like, I hope he sucks. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, he, it's going to make Ryder fans he feel he a lot He didn't tell better. me the
1: truth, so I hope Bo Levi Mitchell's arm falls off. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that's the way I'm thinking, I hope Bo, Now what I hope... Since you said it, I'm going to say... I hope I hope, his
1: arm falls off on the 25-yard line. So First now, throw of the game. So now what I hope, I'm going to re-amend what I hope happens in the Grey Cup. All right. Bully by Mitchell with his arm in a sling has to do the broadcast for TSN while he watches the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, where he should have peeked over defense, against... The BC Lions, quarterback by Dane Evans in a crossover Grey Cup. Yeah. Right there. Take that. That's what I want to see. Eat take it. that. Eat take, it, that bull, Levi. take that bull. Take that
3: bowl.
2: 333 with the sports ticker. It's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Give them a call at 781 781- 2090. What do we got in the NHL tonight? Just two games. Just two games. Pittsburgh's in Colorado. Arizona is in Edmonton. So just two games to wet your whistle with tonight in the National Hockey League. If you're not into that, well, you can watch the Toronto Raptors. They're at home against the Indiana Pacers. But if you're smart, you'd watch the Milwaukee Bucks at home against the San Antonio Spurs.
0: Lacrosse is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan Rush.
2: And over 17,000 fans watched the Calgary Roughnecks take down the Saskatchewan rush 11-6 at the Saddledome this past Friday on St. Patrick's Day. And here I thought the green luck was supposed to be in Saskatchewan's favor, but it wasn't the case as Calgary improved their record to 9-4, dropping the rush to 5th place in the West with the 5-7 record. The playoffs are still a possibility for Saskatchewan. They just, well, they have to start winning. Let's break this down. The playoff format will again feature the top four teams from the East and the top three from the West plus a wild card entry with the best record between the 4th place team in the West and the 5th place finisher in the East. So this wild card will play in the West Conference side of the bracket as the 4th seed. And I know it's wacky, but the bottom line is Saskatchewan, they need to start winning and it needs to start on Saturday. It's a St. Paddy's Day rematch at the SaskTel Center with the Calgary Roughnecks rolling into Saskatoon. So I say let's go. Let's
0: feel the rush playoffs, baby. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio
1: 620 CKRM. Here with the head coach of the Flin Flon Bombers. That would be Mike Reagan doing a great job up north there. I'll tell you what Mike, this is an interesting series, interesting matchup. Neither team has won on the road in the playoffs going back to last year and it looked like you were well on your way last night
4: yeah yeah tough loss for sure um you know in a good position in the third period with uh two goal lead with under 10 minutes left and you know somehow found a way just to let them back in the game uh you got to give that credit they they didn't quit and uh you know we're able to force overtime there and we had a couple opportunities and just just couldn't find the back of the net so uh got to regroup here and uh hopefully get
1: the job done tonight those shorthanded goals you give up are killer aren't they
4: yeah yeah they are you know it's uh it's always tough when you get a power play and especially as, as good a power play as we've had all year and you think that you're you're in a good position and then you you know just make one mistake and and it ends up in the back of your net you know those are frustrating for sure but uh we were able to score right after that on the power play so kind of eliminated both so our mindset was okay after that so you know, uh under any other circumstance probably be uh pretty frustrated.
1: Mike, talking about the power play, theirs was shut out last night, which is a positive for your team on the road.
4: Yeah, anytime you can, you know, get uh, you know, your penalty kill at a hundred percent, you gotta feel good about that. Um, you know, our penalty kill's been pretty good, you know, top four in the league throughout the regular season and, you know, in the playoffs we've done a pretty good job so far and in that. And I, I mean in the playoffs your penalty kill has to be good for you. So if we can do that gives ourselves a chance to win and uh you know we, we just got to try to get a split here on the road and, and feel good about going back to the Whitney up 3-1 if we can get it done tonight.
1: This isn't a normal uh, uh first round series because you have some uh, juice from last year's playoffs so it's a it's a little extra motivation a little extra energy in this series.
4: Yeah there's no question about uh that that uh last year's uh finals definitely has played a role so far in in both communities i think that uh maybe there's a little bit of love hate uh, you know between both communities i think it's it's good to have that rivalry um kind of you get right into playoff mode right away and uh, you know um you know there's passion from last year and and that sort of thing but at the same time you know uh, neither team wants to lose to the other and you know we've got a little bit of that incentive with uh, dropping game seven to them here in their building. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's been a good rivalry, though. I think it's good for the league when you you have two teams, uh, you know, a northern team and a southern team that have so much passion to to play against each other and, uh, you know, it makes for good hockey.
1: It's challenging, though. You guys have the most uh, challenging in terms of travel back and forth.
4: Yeah, and I, I guess that's why you do it in the regular season. You know, I've always, you know, preached to our recruits and, and players that we have coming in, that, uh, you know, you can look at it one of two ways and, uh, you know, you can either hate the travel or or you can look at it as an opportunity to prepare for the playoffs. And uh, when you do get into the grind of playing on the road and stuff like that and, you know, it's good bonding time for the boys. So, you know, throughout the regular season, we kind of, you know, get practice for, for playoff time.
1: Mike, though, it, it would be a, an advantage, I think, for your team with a lot of guys back in terms of you're used to this rink because you spent a lot of the end of last season at this rink with the league play and then, of course, the big championship tournament.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think we're we're pretty familiar with not only the rink but the community now, and, uh, you know, we've made some friends here, which has been kind of nice and, and that sort of thing, and, uh, you know, you would think that we would have – a little more success here. I, I think we had pretty good success in in the Centennial Cup. You know, we went three and one in the mm-hmm. round robin and 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 that. But uh, you know, we've got to try to solve these Bruins here in their building.
1: Is it a mental thing?
4: Uh, it doesn't feel like it, to be honest with you, because we don't really talk about it. But um, you know, I don't know what what the the reason is.
1: You know, Mike, uh, obviously it's not a must-win, but if you look at the travel schedule at the end of the series, you could put yourself in a nice position by winning today and not having to go back and forth, back and forth at the end of the series.
4: Yeah, you know, no question about it that, uh, you know, getting a win here tonight and putting their backs up against the wall or, you know, heading up to Flint one would be a real good thing. Um, not only for, you know, our position to win win the series, but also whoever you know advances through this round is going to need a little bit of rest at this time of year especially with the amount of travel
1: mike you're a you're a hardened guy in this league but there's nothing like the first round of the playoffs in the sjhl like these towns are on fire
4: yeah you know our community's really embraced uh the playoffs uh especially after last year's run and and uh like i said i mean playing Esteban here in, in the first round I, I think it's probably been good for ticket sales that's for sure and and getting that uh, heat cranked up right in, you know, know, it almost feels like the league final again.
1: Yeah, I'll let you go because it is a busy night for you here. But quickly, uh, what do you got to do just to recap to win for the first time on the road?
4: Yeah, I think we got to do a lot of the same things that we did last night. I I liked our game except for, you know, just bear down in the third period. Just, uh, you know, stay mentally focused for for the full 60 minutes. And, you know, if we get in a a position with with a lead in the third period, you know, just got to bear down and, and that sort of thing. So um, you know, don't change our game plan too much. Just uh, you know, get the job done.
1: Well, as a former voice of the Esteban Bruins, they kind of got a soft spot in my heart, but I do like Mike Reagan. So good luck, my friend. <laughs>
4: Thanks very much. I appreciate that.
0: Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome back to the Sports cage here on 620 CKRM. And it's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with our friend Mason Nias. Regina-born, uh, Saskatoon-raised, at least in terms of football. Now let's check this out two-time Vanier Cup finalist, two-time Tech Bowl champ, three-time Hardy Cup champ, Heck Crichton nominee, Canada West Player of the Year, U Sports All-Star, two-time Canada West All-Star, Husky MVP, uh, two-time Husky Offensive Player of the Year, U19 World Champion Gold Medalist, Canada Cup MVP, four-time U Sports Academic All-Canadian, and Edwards School of Business graduate and College of Education graduate at the U of S. I think I basically... Covered everything there, man. Um, I would say you wouldn't find a more decorated quarterback in amateur football in Saskatchewan history. Uh, welcome uh, to the program once again, Mason. Which one of those is the, I guess, which one of the, those are you most proud of, is the best way of asking it.
5: Um, wow, I, I mean, I I know I've done all those things, but just saying them all in a row, it's, uh, it seems a lot more... Uh than you usually think about it. So it's definitely pretty cool. Um, I know my parents would probably say the academic all-Canadian ones would be the most important. Um, mm-hmm. But for, for me, um, probably uh, the Huskies team MVP and those, those type of team awards just because they're, they're my teammates, vote on them, and uh, it's pretty cool and you get recognized by uh, your fellow peers, and I'd say probably probably that.
1: Will that hurt ever go away when I say two-time Vanier Cup finalist? <laughs>
5: Uh, I'm sure it'll always sting uh, you know those those type of things uh obviously put so much time into it, so um, obviously it would've been nice to win uh win one of those and coming up six points short in both those games, obviously <laughs> obviously here's pretty bad, but uh you know what it's one of those things where uh it happened, it is what it is, but uh, you can always kind of reflect back. It did a lot of good things. Uh, both those seasons made a lot of good memories, but yeah, definitely would have, would have liked to finish uh, on top on one of those.
1: Okay, uh, now does it sting more that you didn't win the Vanier Cup, or does it sting equally as much that you didn't get that Heck Crichton trophy, which I thought you got absolutely robbed on. Not No disrespect to the winner, but just your thoughts on that, because I haven't talked to you really since then.
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely things more with the Vanity Cup. Obviously, the heck right, and you want to win it. Um, and I know it's cliche, but it really is an individual award. It's obviously one of those things that it's cool you can go back and, you know, say, you, say you're say you the best college football player one year, um, vote on by other coaches. But, you know, it is what it is. It's just a, it's really just a couple of coaches from around the country voting. It's really, I can't control what they do. So I definitely say losing, um, the Vanier hurt more just because it's something you want to do for uh, not just yourself but your coaches and your teammates so definitely the vanier Cup
1: Hey and I've said this before but I never said it in that long list you never lost a game at the U Sports level in Saskatchewan either at home or on the road here in Regina that's pretty cool nobody else can say that for sure.
5: Yeah definitely yeah <laughs> definitely one of the that's probably the thing I like the most that's my favorite kind of individual one I have, obviously it's team winning those football games, but this day I've never lost it. Griffiths or Warner or John. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: So you gave your buddy, Kyle Borsa, uh, a little pep talk and said, ride it till the wheels fall off. Meaning, Hey, go, go back at it. Give it another crack with the Rams. Sure. Do it. But you didn't take the same advice. You didn't, you had a chance to continue your football career with the rough riders. And I've got asked this a lot of times, both on social media and, uh, you know off the air here what was behind your decision i'll let you uh tell us all you can
5: yeah obviously borsa uh, um with the rams he's you know he's such a talented football player and he's been in the CFL with getting drafted with the bombers and i think it's just uh i think he owes it to himself and the rams you've put a lot of time into him just to give it one more crack. So uh, that's kinda of what I was trying to bore about with and hopefully he goes out and has a great last season here with the Rams. For myself personally. It was super cool just going through the process with um O'Day and Carson there with the Riders. Um ultimately it was a super tough decision I had to kinda of make with my family and it just wasn't really the right time for me personally and I kinda of was I had plans on moving to the west coast for by the last two years now, two, three years. So um, I kind of had my life ready to go. And it was obviously super cool and experience. I uh, was super grateful for going through the contract negotiations, but I knew it was kind of, it was time for me to kind of get going with my life. And uh, uh, if I was staying in Regina I likely would have kind of just took that last crack, but uh, my life took me out to the coast and I'm, I'm happy with my decision. And uh, I definitely, Definitely happy
1: to live with it. So, but listen, man, you're one of the top players at your position. We've talked about this not only with you, but but with others. The Canadian quarterback, it's a long shot to make it. There are Nathan Rourke's of the world, Michael O'Connor's, who I think you're comparable to, if not better, to be quite honest. Uh, but there are a lot of people that didn't have a chance to make it, like an Adam Sinagra, like a, a Noah Picton, so on and so forth. Was it really a sense of, hey, I, I probably, I'm a long shot. I probably don't have a really good chance. I just want to move on with my life, get the teaching, which you're doing now in Vancouver?
5: Um, yeah. Like, I think, um, obviously, I believe in myself. I think I'm a really talented football player. Uh, not to be arrogant, but that's just, I I believe in my own abilities. But, yeah, for sure, obviously, um, you know the track record with Canadian quarterbacks and um, with, guys like Pickton and Senegar I hold those dudes in extremely high regard for their football intellect and their football skill. And I, I think I'm right up there with those two guys. Um, but yeah, definitely seeing them kind of not get the full extent of a shot, I guess, um, is discouraging, maybe played a bit of a factor, but, um, everything I heard from O'Day and Carson was very positive in my negotiations, uh, and nothing like just being a camp arm. They never gave me that impression. So, um, Definitely nothing to do with the riders there, but obviously, um, yeah, the Canadians just never had a great track record. So um, definitely played a little bit of a factor um, for sure, but obviously, had yeah, professional, personal stuff going on as
1: well. Yeah, you got a girlfriend that you've been in a long-term relationship with now, so I get why you're moving out to Vancouver. How much is this? I, I've said this before. I wonder if you agree or not. I know from my own son's standpoint, he's like, Dad, I can't wait to make my own money. My sister makes her money. <laughs> I'm getting money from you, but I can't wait to make my own money. Look at you, man. You're in your mid-20s. You've been playing football. It's not to say you didn't have a part-time job, because whether people believe it or not, being a uh, student-athlete is a full-time job so you are you are working even though you're not getting paid like at a at a part-time job but how much was it like you want to make your own money you want to be an equal in a relationship like with your girlfriend
5: oh 100 percent um you know i was living off the bank of perry and kathy for a little too long there so um i was super fortunate (laughs) with scholarships and grants and stuff like that as long along with fantastic emotional Physical and financial support from my parents back home. So, um, yeah, it was definitely time for me to get going a bit and make some cash. So, uh, I can kind of stand on my own two feet. Yeah.
1: You're one of the most likable guys I know. And from everything I've heard, Blake Nil isn't one of the most likable guys I could know. <laughs> so, how does one of the most likable guys I know end up with Blake Nil? And am I missing something? Is, is Is perception one thing and facts another thing here, Mason?
5: Yeah, I I would say so. Um, You know, it's funny because you know Coach Nell obviously has a bit of a reputation, Um, but you know what? Ever since I kind of been out here on the coast and been with UBC, it's been nothing but positive. He's welcomed me with open arms. He's treated me fantastically, and everything I've seen from Coach Nell has been um, first class all the way and uh yeah no i uh yeah obviously he has a bit of a reputation but truthfully i've seen nothing but pauses from him and the whole staff there so it's been awesome uh working with them
1: so what are you going to do there or what are you doing with the staff at ubc uh
5: yeah i'm coaching quarterbacks right now at ubc uh just with uh garrett Derek, jay and all those guys on the west coast so it's been pretty awesome just kind of getting my feet wet into coaching a little bit and uh yeah it's been it's been a super fun experience for the first uh month or so here
1: I liken you to a Mark Mueller a guy that uh also had a chance at the CFL preseason briefly with Edmonton was uh you know in line probably to get the Rams head coaching job but they went another route with Mike Gibson and now he's in Calgary as a as a budding superstar assistant coach in the CFL is that kind of the path you'd like to go like where would you like to go with this coaching thing
5: yeah, obviously um, I want to pursue coaching. Uh, I have a, obviously a very deep passion with for football and um, educating as well with my teaching degree and whatnot. So um definitely want to go as far as I can kind of take it. Obviously Mark Mueller, is I look up to him, he's a great role model for Canadians trying to get into coaching. He's done a fantastic job at the Stampeders. I was fortunate enough to work with him in the 2019 internship. I was there with the Stamps, so um yeah he's an awesome coach awesome guy so if i can uh just have a little bit of the success uh in youth sports level or cfl that he's had i'd be super grateful for it
1: do you ever think a kid who grew up in lakewood went to riffle and ended up with the US <laughs> would be living in vancouver on the west coast in love teaching and now coaching for the ubc thunderbird did you ever think that would happen
5: i can honestly say i never thought that uh, that would happen uh, once I was leaving Ripple High, I was pretty convinced I was going to US for four or five years. It turned into six and a half. Um, <laughs> thought I'd stay in Saskatchewan for the rest of my life, honestly, but you know how uh, that God has different plans for you and you just kind of roll with it and it's been a, it's been a blast and I've enjoyed
1: every step of the journey. Well, we can. Uh, I'm glad we can continue to talk some football because you're still in the game coaching, man. Congratulations on a great career, and uh, best of luck uh, with UBC, except for when you play the Rams, okay? I don't care about the Huskies anymore. I just care about the Rams now.
5: <laughs> uh, I appreciate balls. I'm happy to come on and uh, look forward to coming on in the future.
1: Ratty quarterbacks coach for the UBC Thunderbirds. Get out of here, Nias. Yeah, God, get out You're of here. yeah, You're dead to us. You're dead to us. Anyway, I don't know how a likable guy could hook up with such a jerk like Blake Blake Neal. Like Blake Neal is a jerk. He is. Yes. At least that's the way he come across, but Mason said no. so he flipped me off once. <laughs> anyway, got some text at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Dale from Regina, do you think the upcoming draft, our first couple of picks, we must go with the offensive line? We'll ask Jeremy O'Day that after 5.30. It uh, seems like we have not signed that many American offensive linemen to compete in a few positions on the line. Your thoughts? Well, Dale, we did sign uh, Gerald Hawkins, former NFLer, Jeremiah Potassi. And we brought Eric Lofton, who has some NFL experience over from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I'm looking forward to that. TC and medicine hat. Dudes! 44 days until rookie camp opens. Let's go. CFL combine starts today in Edmonton. Unfortunately, nobody seems to be giving it any love. I'd watch it if it was streamed somewhere. Me too, but it's not. Did I thought the th-
2: commission, yeah, you I thought the
1: commissioner ahead. said uh zinger that we were doing that. Grey Cup week.
2: It was brought up, you know you wanted the cfo uh cfl week with the combine yep. and all of it you know to be mm-hmm. together again and he's like no we're not doing that that's old news what we're going to do going forward is just have everything like broadcast digital, and stuff. digital digital well now here we are march 22nd i'm looking online okay mm-hmm. digital mm-hmm. all right we're in the digital age
1: oh we're not actually because it's not streamed no, well, not in the CFL anyway. Yeah, very disappointing. Uh, when we come back on the other side of four o'clock, a guy who uh, cut his teeth in the CFL and is a first ballot Hall of Famer now, coach with the BC Lions, John Bowman, will join us. You're listening to the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio
0: partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball.
1: Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Keep the text coming at 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Mall. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. We'll head out there. In a second, I got a couple of things I want to shout out here. Uh, first off, happy birthday to my longtime friend, Tina Baudry. She was uh, with me in elementary school, in high school, and now my son dates her daughter, Montana. It's her birthday today. Wow. so Full circle. Full circle. I don't think I had a crush on Tina, but I can't remember that far back. <laughs> Just say that you did to okay, make did. it full okay, circle. I did. We don't she want, was we don't want crack in the day. circle back here. Back in the day, she was smoking hot. <laughs> Woo! Ooh, anyway, baby. and uh, <laughs> yeah, a great seven crush. Um, and then uh I have a biological mom, Marilyn, but uh, my girlfriend's mom, Linda, it's her birthday today. She's coming into town. I picked up dessert. We'll have some dessert after. So happy March birthday, babies, Linda. baby. We love you. We yeah. love you. Yeah, March. absolutely. March Let's is go. the way to go. Uh, it is time to head out in the Western Pizza hotline. Get it hot. Get it fast at Western Pizza. John Bowman, the Canadian Football Hall of Famer, joining us now. John. I, I wish you would have played in rider colors. You never made it out here. You also were never the de- defensive player of the year on your own team. Yet here you are, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Has it sunk in yet?
6: <laughs> uh, I mean, it has. You know, after probably a thousand or two uh, messages and Instagram mentions and stuff like that, it's it sunk in a little bit. But I'm sure uh, that day in September when they come, it'll hit me even more.
1: Who are you going to celebrate with that day? Do you have a, a list in mind?
6: Well, I have a game. We <laughs> <laughs> play the Saturday. That's true. I'm going to invite some, some friends. Well, I'm going to let them know that Friday I'm going to go to the, to the uh, induction induction ceremony. But I'm leaving you know Friday night, Saturday morning because i got to get back for our game against Ottawa. So if anybody wants to come, they're more than
1: welcome. Duty calls, hey uh, John Bowman. Work ethic was your calling card. Was it something that you've always had, or something you learned as you became a pro?
6: No, I mean, um, I've always had it. You know, I grew up with, I grew up in the house before me and my twin moved to North Carolina. It was it was nine kids in the house. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, it was me and my six brothers and sisters and my three cousins. So you had to work. You I mean you had to work to do everything. So uh, that's always been my calling for My my college coaches to tell you, even if they said I suck, they're doing something. They say, hey, at least he's running or he's trying hard or he's doing something. And that's what that's kind of what got me through college and uh, led me to Montreal in 2006.
1: John Bowman, you had that many siblings. You had to have work ethic just to get to the dinner table. <laughs>
6: You definitely gotta work to eat. You gotta work for everything. So so yeah, growing up with that many kids in the house, it it um it'll make it it'll, it'll sharpen you or it'll break you. So I'm glad it it, it was the ladder for me.
1: So when when did you uh, become a big guy? Because here's the second part of my question. Like did you share a bed with somebody? Like did you have your own bed? Did you sleep on the floor?
6: <laughs> no, we shared beds but in when in, in like um ninety six so ninety seven, me and my twin moved to North Carolina with my aunt. So I really grew up in North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina when I was uh thirteen years old, and and that's when I kind of shaped into the guy I was gonna be uh, through my teenage years and such. But I really, I really didn't get big until college. I graduated high school. I was six foot, a uh, hundred ninety pounds or something like that. Then when I left college, I was six three.
1: Do mm, Putting on the beef. Hey, we didn't have to fight at the dinner table anymore. You had the food given to you at school. That's a that's a, that's a big that's a big deal. Hey hey hey, John John, you're yeah John, you're a coach now at the BC Lions. Who was the coach or coaches that were big for you to get you to this point in your journey? You know, hall of famer and now a coach yourself.
6: Man, uh, long list like long list, and I'm gonna leave unintentionally forget some people, but, you know, it starts with Mike Sinclair. You know, he kind of helped me and Anwar. He helped Anwar revitalize his career during the back nine of his, and he was there for the beginning of my career. Uh, And uh, Mike Sinclair, he he, he showed us everything, like our moves, our techniques, and and stuff like that. Um, My college coaches, Coach Cat, Coach Gut, you know, for letting me just, you know, using my athleticism and using what I knew how to do in order to rush the passer in college, you know, and trust me, of course, and stealing, like, wisdom and taking more than just football from the game, you know, how to how to blend in life aspects into the game. But, um, you know, that's just to name a few. I had a, a ton of playing 14 years in the CFL with the coaching turnover. I've had a ton of coaching. Hmm. Yeah. But those are just a few that had real big impact. And I, I can't forget my boy Anwar, you know. Even though he's on my coach for like a year or two, as a player, he would still help us out and show us stuff and and uh and really, you know, we'd watch him play and watch what he's doing and watch what he's telling us to do and seeing it come to fruition was was key for us.
1: I remember you had like a career high 19 sacks, I believe it was 2015. Yet Tom Higgins, the coach, called you out, basically writing your expiration date. How did that make you feel, John?
6: <laughs> At the moment, I was yeah, I was just lost because you know, and the only person I really talked to about it was Pop. Like because it don't matter if I was if I was bad or not, what I had done for that team. You know, not just on the field because, you know, that's all the stuff that you guys see. But in my offseason spending my time in Montreal going to school visits and bringing the community to the football team and stuff like that, it it was disrespectful for him to go on TV and, 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 and bring that up. You know, even if it wasn't his idea for me to not play, which I probably knew I know who it is, who it was, But for him to go out publicly and say that, and and you know what? Like I said the other day, he was probably right. But, you know, I just got lucky and and squeezed a couple more years out.
1: Yeah, you did, and a couple more good years for sure. It's funny how life works, John Bowman. Bill Walsh found Dwight Clark the great receiver while working out Joe Montana in preparation for drafting Joe. Jim Pop, I guess the story goes, found out about you scouting the Arena League when he was looking at Marcus Brady. Can you tell me about that? How did that work out? Did you have, like, a great game that day? (laughs) Well, I actually, like, I I was pretty good in the arena. So it was just like,
6: you just need somebody to see you. But for sure, uh, Jim Pop, I know he didn't come down to Rome, Georgia, to find me. So he was looking at Brady because Brady had played in Hamilton and Toronto previously, and he's probably looking at uh, Dwayne Morgan, who I played in Edmonton previously, and, you know, uh, a little guy, number 98, was just flashing, I guess, across the screen, and uh, they brought me into camp that same year in, in 2006. You know, it was a, 2006 was a long year for me playing the arena, playing the indoor season, and then coming up and playing, like, 14 games with Montreal, but, you know, luckily for me, you know, Jim Pops took the time out to scour the earth. And they say if you're good enough, they'll find you, which is hard to believe when you're an athlete. But uh, if you're watching an uh, in indoor football league film, you know, and you find, uh, I guess now, a, a future Hall of Fame where you did your thing, you did your due diligence.
1: Yeah, not just a future Hall of Famer. There aren't too many first-ballot Hall of Famers, and you're one of them, so that's outstanding. John Bowman joining us here for a couple of more minutes. So you played kind of a gimmicky game in the Arena League. It takes talent, but it's gimmicky. It's played inside a hockey arena. So when Americans come here, they kind of think at the start, our game's a bit gimmicky, so you might not have had that idea coming from Arena League right away. But how long did it take you to, A, appreciate and fall in love with the Canadian Football League, this wacky three-down game in Canada?
6: Well, I mean, well, I loved it uh, from the first beginning. The only thing I had to really get used to was the um, wider field because the crazy thing about the indoor league is the same almost as Canadian Football League with the with the motions and the actions and stuff like that. It's just less people and on a smaller field. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was already used to seeing receivers come out of a high-waggle and them get being off and the referees not calling it uh, <laughs> and all that, but it was immediate gratification. I loved it immediately. It's fun. It's quick. You know, you're you're on the field a couple minutes, then you sit down for thirty seconds. Then they they, they yell for punt team to get ready. Uh It's always something happening, and 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 you know the the quality of player up here is, is something that a lot of people find surprising too. Uh, A lot of guys, I've I've had a lot of competition in my years. A lot of NFL guys come here and they don't cut it because they don't, they they take it for granted. They just say, oh, it's Canada, you know, but there's, there's ballers here. Uh, There's ballers everywhere if if you take the time to look. But I, I really do appreciate the Canadian game.
1: John Bowman, if you could go back and live in that one moment or one game, which one would it be? Can you pick one? Like where you're you're the young John Bowman and you're just tearing it up on the turf, what game or moment would it be? Does one pop to your mind?
6: Oh, my gosh. I, I've been a part of so many great moments. It would be, you know, you probably won't like this, but the 09 Great I knew,
1: you, I knew <laughs> you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. It
6: was just a special game. It was just, you know, all the cards stacked against us and just taking it moment by moment and and getting to where we got to. It ended up being pretty good. And, and so I would live in that moment again for
1: sure. I never asked any Alouette guy this, and I've interviewed Cahoon and a few of the guys. Were you guys were you guys like, you got punched in the mouth by the Riders. Were you surprised? Because basically they, they controlled that game for a lot of the game until the fourth quarter when they couldn't close it out because they couldn't stay on the field. Your defense shut down. Like, they couldn't run the ball. But up until then, they kind of punched you guys in the mouth.
6: I mean... The crazy thing is, in, in 2009, we were 15-3, and, and we had – we were beating everybody. <laughs> so, I don't know if we took them lightly. They just came out on fire. Like, the first guy for the game was a sack Four fumble, I believe, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to, to to get our bearings, but I didn't take them lightly because I, I knew how – well, if you look at the quality of the player they had, they had a, just, just about as good as a D line as we had. They had a young Darian Durant. They had they had receivers everywhere, Getzlaf and and uh, Dressler and those guys. So, like, I don't know if we took them lightly. They just came out hard and they caught us uh, early. But you know, luckily for us, we managed to to stay in the fight.
1: Lastly, John Bowman, how do you live vicariously through your players with the uh, BC Lions? You know that energy, that professionalism. How do you, you know, act as a conduit to them?
6: Well, I mean, I, I played with the crazy thing is I played with a few of them and I played against a few of them. So <laughs> you know, to see them out doing their thing is, is still special. But like the, the the best feeling I get is when when somebody asks me how do i do a move or what should my footwork be or what should i be looking at and they see it and there's a positive play result for them and they're like oh coach you told me this and and i knew this and i saw it and and this and that and you can you can be like yeah man i, I told you this. and and that gives you a, a great feeling you know just knowing that you're helping affect someone's uh, trajectory on the field and not just on the field because in my in our room, I don't say my room, but in our D line room, we talk about life lessons too, and and that was one of the things that Mike Sinclair taught us, also, train, things that transfer to real life from off the field uh, situations.
1: Hey, give me a shout out for my color commentator, Luke Mullender. You you you, uh, you got any dirt on him? You want to take a sh- you want to take a shot at him, Bowman?
6: <laughs> I don't I don't got any dirt on Uncle Luke. Uncle Luke was like. When he came to Montreal, he was actually a quiet, professional dude, and like he, I was young, and I didn't know too much. And he came, he sat and talked to me a little bit, and uh, and he seen the way I worked from the beginning, and even now he knows. Like when you when you deal with guys who played in the CFL, they know who who's a baller. Was not Luke was one of the first guys who who was on Twitter talking about how consistent I was, and and when I wasn't getting a lot of. Uh, the publicity that he didn't think he thought I was due. But uh, no negatives on Uncle Luke, except for the one time he stood us up in Toronto when he said he's going to have some food brought for us, and he didn't. But uh, other than that, he's a solid dude.
1: Yeah, he, he, he sometimes pulls the shoot. He sometimes no-shows. I'm not going to lie to you, but he's a good dude. I absolutely agree <laughs> with that. And I know he's happy, and so am I. Congratulations on your upcoming induction, okay? I
6: appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Time now for the cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Otani's ready. Trout's ready. 3-2. He struck him out! Otani strikes out Trout and Japan's back
2: on top of the baseball world! Well, it was the matchup that many had dreamed about all along between two of the world's baseball powerhouses and two of its very best players. Let's be honest. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And it's exactly what it came down to. Shohei Otani striking out Mike Trout in the top of the ninth. Team Japan back on top of the baseball world. Shohei Otani, your sports cage clutch performer, a championship performance for next service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077.
0: The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is The Sports Cage
1: on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to The Sports Cage. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. That was outstanding. That was incredible. Um... Like Rarash said yesterday on the show, baseball does moments. That was an incredible moment. But we had been begging for Otani versus Mike Trout, the captain of the United States team against Otani, the stud. Zinger, I don't think I'm off when I say this. Shohei Otani's the greatest ball player we've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. Like Babe Ruth. He was drunk half the time he played. He smoked in the dugout. Not saying Babe Ruth wasn't a great player, but it was a different time. Shohei Otani is the best player in Major League Baseball history.
2: He played the whole game, then he came in and he was throwing absolute... Like, he was throwing 102. One pitch was 102, albeit a yeah. dribble to the backstop, that
1: one pitch. Wait, that they were right around 100 the whole time. <laughs> slider, crazy. fastball. To be. Cra- like, and, he, and the key is... He, it wasn't a lame-out. He struck Mike Trout out. Yeah, I, and it's not like he's
2: striking out like double-A players. Yeah. Mookie Betts, yeah. Mike Trout. Yeah. Like, come on.
1: Hey, Bettman, are you watching? Your little fight with the IIHF over licensing and everything is costing us best-on-best best in hockey, and the greatest player in the world, Connor McDavid, saw it. He wants to have a best-on-best, best, whether it's World Cup, whatever. Let's get to it here, uh, Batman. You're missing the boat. That was outstanding. Sporting activity last night in Miami the world baseball classic sign me up for more of that This is the sports cage and your voice is Saskatchewan 620 CKRM 4.32 with your sports ticker. And yeah, so
2: much excitement last night. We had the World Baseball Classic Final, you know, championship game. Now tonight, there's not much on the schedule. We got two NHL games, Pittsburgh at Colorado, Arizona at Edmonton. The Toronto Raptors also in action on this Wednesday night.
0: From throwing heat to crushing dingers and the occasional walk-off, we're talking baseball with the latest on the Toronto Blue
1: Jays. Welcome to the Sports Cage and yes it's around the horn with Ben Wagner we're just trying to get a hold of Ben right now the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays they came up with a, a 2-1 victory today over the Baltimore Orioles in the uh, in Dunedin, Florida in a, a spring training game Blue Jays of course uh, coming down the backstretch here in terms of their uh, spring training play they're going to open up March the 30th hard to believe but a week from tomorrow the Major League Baseball schedule will be Begins. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays will open up against the St. Louis Cardinals in Missouri. So uh, we'll see how the season kicks off for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, interesting times ahead for the jays as they had uh, a decent offseason i wouldn't you know fans were thinking oh come on they they didn't get really uh, they didn't have a lot of superstar power join the ball club but you know what uh, everybody that i've talked to the ben wagners the dan scholmans of the world they were happy with uh, some of the steady under the radar signings there for the toronto blue jays um in terms of uh, things we wanted to get to with regards to, uh, uh, Ben Wagner here. Um, you know, the WBC wanted to get his opinion there. We're going to have actually Eric Swanson on the show on Friday, who is a closer that comes over from the Seattle Mariners and the T Oscar Hernandez, uh, trade, so that'll be interesting as they add an arm there in the bullpen. So we're going to have Swanson on. I wanted to kind of gauge Ben's uh, opinion on that. And Vladdy Guerrero, I was just looking at the odds. He's got the sixth best odds to win the American League MVP uh, at plus 1,200. I'm kind of thinking I should put 1,200 on him. Um, I was close last year, Zinger, with regards to, uh, <laughs> to um Manny Machado, he was oh, second to Goldschmidt. Yeah, Goldschmidt. I would have won fifteen hundred bucks, but Paul Goldschmidt won, I believe, the uh, Amer- or the uh, National League MVP last year. So I was, I was, um, I was short there. I had a couple other questions for him. I was thinking about this. Okay, when a left-handed batter is up, or yeah, when the left-handed batter's up and he never hits it uh, to third base. With the shifting going on, can the third baseman just flip positions with the shortstops? Like, or by definition, does the third baseman always have to be to the right of the shortstop? And to me, I've I've looked as best I can, Zinger, mm-hmm. and Ben would know this better than me. Fortunately, we can't get a hold of him right now. Ben would know this better than me, but I. I don't think there should be a problem with that. Like you should be able, if you, I'll talk for my Padres or or even for the Jays. You should be able to flip Chapman to short and move your short to third. Like you should be able to do that if you want. I wonder.
2: I wonder. But if you're but if you're penciled into the lineup to play that position. But you're yeah. not shifting; you're just
1: moving positions. Yeah. It's not shifting. It's not like he's going from third to right field like they used to. Be. Like Mach- yeah. Machado would be over in between first and second. But you know, you know what I mean, though. And like yeah. the starting
2: lineup, like okay, uh, Manny Machado, Manny Machado, batting third and playing third base. So that might mean that you have to play third base, maybe. Yeah. But you know, that's why I'm not very smart.
1: Uh, <laughs> I- Do you think Major League Baseball will tweak that pitch clock? Like the pitch clock right now, uh, you know. I think what is it? It's it's like eighteen seconds with a runner on base and fourteen without, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's twenty with a runner on and, fif- and, f- and fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, that's yeah. what it is. I wonder if they'll add five seconds or some talk. They may tweak it before the season starts. Like I haven't watched a lot, but I've seen a couple of times where a pitcher starts his wind up. And then, just as the pitch clock expires, the umpire calls the ball. Now, like the umpires have a buzzer on their on their on yeah. their wrist, it's like so a they, Fitbit, yeah. Type so thing. yeah, so they know. But I wonder in October if they'll be kind of lenient there.
2: Maybe. well in every other sport mm-hmm. it seems to change so it wouldn't surprise me the one thing that I that I talked about earlier about the pitch clock and we talked about it already with the WBC how baseball's all about moments right yeah well if you shorten the pitch clock you're not going to have that anticipation anymore in those big time moments it's going to be rushed mm-hmm. you know what I mean imagine yesterday's game when it if it were to be rushed on a pitch clock it wouldn't have the same kind of oomph. But that's the
1: sacrifice you gotta make, I guess. Well, I, I, for, for quicker games. I'm all for quicker games. Yeah. The games go to like I don't you know what si- I mean, though, right? Yeah, I don't like last game last night's game didn't seem that fast, but I do not wanna sit for four hours watching baseball. I don't even wanna watch my son's call my son's college games drag out. Like when I went to that Nebraska Cornhuskers game, don't oh, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong, I loved it. But like so what would happen was they go to they go to a break and, oh, I know. and, and right I watched be- it on TV and right before the break Nebraska challenge a play and instead of looking at the challenge during the the TV timeout which the CFL does a great job of they'll take the TV timeout. Come back, and then the ref will run down the sidelines to look under the yeah. hood
2: no they'll yeah they 'll come back and say okay we 're reviewing this, and yeah. they'll go to break'll go, go
1: to break again <laughs> so like and, and it, it was a three and a half four hour game, and don 't get me wrong i 'm sitting in the sun a september long weekend eighty seven thousand uh in a picture where i don 't think I belong because my son's playing in Nebraska. And even then I'm like I don't want to I'm not sit, I don't want to sit here for, it's my own son and I don't want to sit here for 4 hours wow. give me a break wow give that's, me that's a break no I'm serious man wow. I know I'm a proud dad but I'm not that proud um, <laughs> so I do like the the game speeding up I do like that uh today BC announced their new $5 <sighs> menu available at all stadium events effective immediately the pilot project was launched in an effort to make the stadium experience more accessible providing uh, classic fare at a low price. The menu features a list of marquee items, including beer, five dollars, hot dogs, nachos, and popcorn, with the potential of rotating items throughout the year. Could you imagine just, that's going great.
2: to a game and, and budgeting and think it yourself? I can have a hot dog, a beer, nachos, popcorn for twenty bucks, like that. A yeah. hot dog seems like it's 20
1: bucks. Well, now, these days. now we're starting to talk about the CFL has to open their minds. I like what that outside. O- Doman's doing. Yeah, no, uh, thinking outside the box. So I did a little digging, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are finalizing very similar things here with Real on the concessions. They're working on value pricing, so it's uh, one thing that they're doing in terms of affordability to get the fans there. The other thing the riders are doing, they're rescaling the stadium, so essentially 9,000 seats have been rescaled where they basically went down in price, so uh, more pricing at the lowest pricing level.
2: Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. They didn't yeah.
1: have enough in that area. And of course, they're continuing to invest on game day themes. And and they really uh, went hard getting feedback from the fans and are taking it to heart. I know a lot of fans are like, Riders don't care about us. Yes, they do. They realize it's still a gate-driven league. And uh, they have some big plans. In fact, for the home opener, which is Father's Day weekend against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, all I've been told is it's going to be a pretty good musical act here. Like, really good. So I don't know who, I don't know what, but uh, that's going to be one of the things they're doing for the fans, and while training camp is going on in Saskatoon, do you know who the performer is? Do I need a Do I need a Muhammad Ali? You for no, the no, show? No, 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 I don't. don't know? I don't. Okay. I don't. But I'm told it's pretty. It's pretty good. Okay. And then, uh, of course, uh, they want, they're going to have some sort of. Uh, I can't really tip it off, but there's going to be something for the fans in April coming up here, I'm told, Ooh. for fans here. So uh, keep that in mind. And it's no joke, right? Not on, not no, on the no, April Fools. No, not a joke. Not a joke. Okay. No, no okay. Jokes. not on April Fools. No, no, not on April Fools. No. So, uh, yeah. So the riders are doing similar to what BC's doing. You saw what Edmonton did with pricing. Uh, in terms of uh, affordability.
2: For some reason, I'm not optimistic about Edmonton's situation for some reason. like I I don't know why. I was so
1: far away from what they wanted last year. I do not want... I don't like their chances. Listen, they've got a a guaranteed win night against the Riders. The Riders are going to play their butts off, and I hope they beat them. Because the next week, if those fans in certain seats get free tickets... And they got to play defending champion Argos next at home. Oh man, That's I just I, I question that.
2: I question that whole thing going on there. By
1: the way, the combine's going on. It's it's it. We're going oh, yeah, to. Oh, I'm Jer- watching it. Oh, forgot. It's not on the yeah. stream. We're going to uh, talk to Jeremy O'Day about that uh, coming up here. The combine that is. I uh, got some questions for him, and if you have some questions for O'Day, text us at nine three six sixty two sixty two. When we come back. We'll talk a pick six here, and uh, we may have to postpone Mr. Wagner till tomorrow. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
0: The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. It's going to be a touchdown for Chandon Sullivan. It's serves to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Balzi and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day.
1: All right, well, Justin Dunk reported on this yesterday sitting down with Jeremy O'Day about Kean Schaefer-Baker and the fact he's going to be out missed the start of the season with a hip injury uh, but it was actually first broken by our friend Jason Victor who listens to the show from the Ryder fan page so I'll give him props I didn't announce it when he told me about it I just uh, I think he heard from actually Kean Schaefer-Baker's mom to be quite honest with you, or a relative but I didn't say anything because sometimes I just sit on stuff because in the role as the voice of the riders kind of got to tread lightly with some team-sensitive information. But kudos to Jason for having that and his page and supporting the riders. And then Justin Dunk reported on it yesterday. Number two in the pick six. We've kind of elaborated on this. We asked for it. We got it. You don't. A lot of times when you wish for something it doesn't happen. It did last night. Outstanding. Shohei Otani, our clutch performer today striking out his teammate Mike Trout. What's kind of funny but sad at the same time is those two guys finally playing a big game against each other they've just been in the wilderness in anaheim nhl you're missing the boat let's get ourselves a best on best come on let's go NHL Players Association unveiled its 2022-2023 NHLPA player poll. 626 players took part in this zinger. Uh, asking questions like this, if you needed to win one game, give me the goalie at 52.3%, Andre Fasilevsky of. Tampa. That's why they got a puncher's chance in the playoffs, even though it's been a down season for them. In a must-win game, which forward do you think will be the most impactful by a long shot? It's Connor McDavid. Uh, who's the top defenseman in the game is voted on by Piers. Kale McCarr by a long shot. Second and a distant second, Victor Hedman. Who's the best stick handler? This is a bit surprising. Uh, mid-30s. Patrick Kane at 46.1%. Patrick Kane. Connor was second at 28.7%. Who's the best passer? This is no surprise. Number one, Leon Dreisaitl, 25% of the votes. Patrick Kane second at 13%. wonder where
2: Sidney Crosby fits on that scale.
1: He wasn't there, but he is here. Who's the most complete player? Sid the Kid. He's not a kid anymore. Well, he is to me. 30.1%. Patrice Bergeron. Old Greybeard with Boston, 18.8%. Who's the. Which player do you least enjoy playing against? But you'd like to have him on your team. Number one was Brad Marchant, 36.5%. Connor McDavid, because of his greatness, at 15.6%. Who affects the game the most around the net, forward or defenseman? Speaking of Greybeards. Uh, after he left San Jose, you thought, well, what kind of career is this guy going to have? But Joe Pavelski, picked by oh. his peers at 21.4%. Who's the most underrated player in the NHL? I was surprised by this. I thought it would be Tage Thompson. He came in at second at 4.3% of the votes. He's the best big man, no doubt about it. Alexander Barkov at 23% from the Florida Panthers. Ooh. Um which female hockey player, current or Pass, would you most want to play alongside? And they say Marie Philippe Poulin at 27.9%. Shonovan's Haley Wickenheiser came in third at 14.7%. Which NHL Arena has the best ice singer? Oh, did we do this one before? Oh which NHL Arena has well, the they best did it last ice year.
2: Oh man. I, I'm gonna say, I'm I am going to say. Calgary. Bell Center, Montreal.
1: Wow. Number two, Rogers Center, Edmonton. And number... Th- Rogers Place, Edmonton, sorry. Number three, Canada Life Center, Winnipeg. They better have good ice. There's nothing there in Winnipeg but ice. Give me a break. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's our poll... What From determines the, the
2: best ice? Like, is there tests that they do on this, they or must, what? They must
1: probably. Uh, I want more how details on that up, one. How it holds up to the strenuous skating and t- temperature and all that type of stuff. Okay, all right. let's get to the next one. Alexander Ovechkin passed Wayne Gretzky for more uh, most forty goal seasons in the NHL at thirteen forty goal campaigns. He becomes the fourth player in NHL history to score forty or more goals at thirty seven or older. So he is. 74 back of Gretzky. Two good seasons. If he stays healthy, he'll do it. Oh, yeah, he's going to do do it. it. He's going to do it. Do you want him to do it? Yes, I do, because we're going to witness history. A lot of fans don't want it, but I definitely do.
2: Imagine for years people said no one ever is going to touch Wayne Gretzky's record, but we could witness it in the flesh.
1: Yeah, here we go. Number on the pick six. Estevan rallies with two in the third and gets the winner in overtime to beat the Flinflon Bombers 4-3. Bombers still up two games to one. We had Bombers coach Mike Reagan on the show earlier. You can check it out in podcast form after our show is done. No team has won on the road between those two teams going back to last year's playoffs too. Dazza Mitchell made 43 saves in a losing cause for Waburn. Battleford blanked Weyburn 3-0. Stars up two games to one. The LaRange Ice Wolves took a 2-1 series lead over Melfort with a 4-3 overtime victory before the game, they had to switch ranks because of an ice problem. So they had to move ranks. Wow, on the fly. And it was still a great game, too. Great game and nip win at the Hawks' Nest. The shots on goal were 43 41 in favor of Humboldt. But the Hawks found a way in their smaller rink, the Cozy Confines, for a 4 3 win to climb back in the series down. Two games to one. And I got a text here people laughing at me because yesterday I had said. The Argos have the third best unis in the Canadian Football League. Somebody said maybe the third best in the East Division. So Zinger, here's, here's my best jerseys in order. All right, let's From go. From nine all the way up to one. Montreal's homes. That's nine. Number eight, Calgary's Red Homes with the Black Pants. Number seven, the Red Blacks Red Home uniforms with the Black Pants. At number six, channeling your Green Bay Packers, the Edmonton Elks home uniforms. At number five, I don't like them, but they got nice unis. The blue and gold home uniforms of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. At number four, he'll be sporting Thai cat colors this year. Bo Levi Mitchell will be in the black and yellow pants. That's a great combination on home turf in Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field. Number three, Argo's home with the baby blue pants. I wish they would have worn that in the gray cup. Kind of the boring all blue look. If they would have gone with the baby blues, those would have been sweet. Number two, I got the BC Lions home colors with those nice black helmets. I love those. Mm -hmm. And the Riders retro they were in the Labor Day Classic. Craig Reynolds said they might look at wearing the retros more than one time. I'd love to see a white version. Like they had one. When did they have that white version? I want to
2: say like around 2010 and that give or take two years. Twenty twelve ish, you you're know something u- like you're that. You're
1: a uni guy, so uh, maybe you can just go off my list and pick your unis. Okay, man,
2: I love the Montreal Alouettes. Number unis, one? No, 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 for sure, top three. Okay, okay, for sure, top three. Give me your top
1: five. Give top me your top five. five.
2: Okay, top five. Uh, Riders. Okay, give
1: me your no. Give me your six because it's the pick six. So give All me your right.
2: six. Six unis here. Number six, I'm just going to go off the top of my head here. Number yeah. six, I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats have very worthy uniforms. Okay. They're uh, Which one? The black and the yellow pants? I'm, I'm going to say they're home blacks okay. with the yellow pants, okay? okay. That's number six. Mm-hmm. Number five, I'm going to have to go with... I really like... A lot of people don't like them, but I like the Calgary Stampeders candy cane look Okay. at, I at home. I don't mind okay. the popcorn look. Yeah, yeah that, that's number five. Number four, I'm going to have to go... I'm gonna have to go with uh, the Edmonton Elks. Yep. You know they the would. Yep. Yeah, the homes. They would be a little higher, although they're trying to steal the Green Bay Packers. I can't do identity. that. So, no. No. They're number four. I love the
1: EE back on the yeah. helmet. By the way,
2: number three would have to be number three would have to be. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at number three. They do got. They do got nice unis. The blue
1: and golds, a classic. Yes, yeah.
2: the, the home ones. Yeah. Although I will say, I think I've always said this. If you want those uniforms to pop even more, the Blue Bombers home unis... You take that blue face mask off and you put a gray face mask Ooh, on it. Good one. Because that's the ultimate did way Did
1: they have that back in the eighties? I thought they did yeah, back in the Peter Brock
2: days. That's the ultimate way to make a uniform pop is to take the colored face mask out and put a gray wow. face mask on Speaking
1: of pop, I just want their success to pop. Like yeah, I want their bubble that to pop. Too. Can we go can they go back to sucking already? They will this year. What number am I on? Number two. Number two. Argos, come on! Yeah,
2: Argos—that's that, what. Argos number two. I like—I like their uh, homes when they wear the the blue helmet, obviously yeah. blue jersey, and those baby blue, yeah, uh, blue pants. And then there's no doubt about it. Number one has to be the Riders Labor Days with the upside down S. Now, like, come on,
1: Cody Glide, who's going to join us right away? He just sent a text, and he's lobbying for the black and green jerseys to come back. Oh, what do you think? You Matt know Dominguez days. Those
2: were nice unis, and they they were very popular. And I know they came with a lot of uh, you know off the field questions of why you know the riders were. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to get into it really. Yeah, yeah, but I like them. They were a nice look, man. Was, yeah, the yeah. riders won some big time games. Intimidating not, wearing. Black. I remember. I think it was 2006. Last second field goal. Luka Kanji going towards the south end zone. Game-winning field goal against the Montreal yeah. Alouettes. Do you remember that yeah, game? Yeah, I
1: love you because you're a sports oh, nerd, I man. Was,
2: I was there. That was the first rider game I went on my own with nobody with me. Wow. That was the first game. That Did you pee in the sink? Yes, I did. That's the way you did it. <laughs>
0: sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Gage with your host, Michael Ball. Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is The Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
1: Yeah, we're hyped here. Training camp's not that far away. Rough Rider season right around the corner. Time to flush 2022 away, and let's get 2023 going. We'll have the Rider GM on after 5.30, because this is your voice of Rough Riders football. Oh. Shoot, it's the voice of the CFL. Who's talking CFL football from January to the end of December? Nobody like this state. We've already had John Bowman on the show, okay? We're going to have... Uh, we had Mason Nias on the show earlier, turned down a CFL contract to coach youth sports football and teach high school football. Uh, we got Jeremy O'Day on, Lance Frazier, and this guy. A lot of the old school fans, like our buddy Don Hewitt, the professor, said this guy reminds him of gluey huey campbell he's jake weineke new receiver for your Saskatchewan rough riders joining us on the western pizza hotline uh jake welcome to the show do you have a nickname
7: <laughs> um i have a lot of a lot of different nicknames but most people just call me jake
1: okay well jake that's pretty boring like no jake the snake no jake the rake he's raking in passes nothing like that <laughs> my teammates in Montreal call me TD Jake T, I love it okay. I love it I love it so you had a bit of, you had a bit of a down year last year uh, a lot of it had to do with injuries you had a hamstring problem and just talk about you know you could say well I'm healthy I'm back but I don't think you're ever healthy uh, as a receiver when you get those nagging like leg injuries like that
7: yeah definitely I mean uh, I think I do a lot to, to take care of my body and I missed missed training cap with the injury and came back and yeah, I wasn't super healthy I think to start the season and then yeah we just had a lot a lot going on. I mean uh, Coach Gahari uh got fired after uh like four games and new coaching staff trying to build trust and they hadn't really seen me and just trying to uh take kind of take the whole year to kinda of, to get going and kinda of build that trust back with uh, the new coaches and uh and also just making sure that I'm I'm healthy and, and playing uh myself every day.
1: Jake Weineke, give me the number one reason maybe besides money why you signed here in Saskatchewan.
7: I would say just like the the people and the organization and just, just the culture of the whole city. Um something has always just kind of drawn me to I remember in two thousand nineteen I was actually playing against uh, in Saskatchewan on my birthday, and I went out to eat before the game with my mom and dad and my little brother. They came up to the game, and walked into the restaurant. Every person in that restaurant had Rough Rider jerseys, and I was like, "Oh man, this is this is crazy." We food, I felt out of place wearing some Montreal stuff, and uh, like I, you just don't see that I think in a lot of places. And I, and then I think continuing to play against them, being obviously in the stadium and seeing that culture, and just a couple times that I've been there to play. Um, it just seems like such an amazing, uh, culture throughout the whole, um, community, the whole city, and even really all of Canada. Uh, people, people love the Rough Riders, and I'm just excited to be a part of that. And then all the people that I've got to know already throughout the organization have been so amazing. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm just very looking, very much looking forward to it. My family is, I think it's a great place, uh, for our family as well. Um, just excited for the the way of life and everything. So,
1: where does your personality come from? That maybe sounds like a dumb question, but I've talked to more than more than a few people that say Jake is a good dude. They say Trevor Harris is a good dude, and Jake is a good dude. Where does that good dude mentality or personality come from?
7: Man, I would just say I try to I try to align everything I do uh, with the Lord. I try to I strive to be like Jesus. I fail uh, daily in a lot of things that I that i do but um and i try to be try to imitate him the best that i can and, and so any good in me, that's yes, that's that's from the lord that's from god so uh and trevor harris and the great people in my life trevor harris is an amazing friend and mentor of mine and, and so i love playing with him yes but even just growing with him uh as a man and just the more i'm, I'm surrounded by him uh the better uh man i become so, so i think great people in my life and, and most of all the lord
1: did you know like do you guys, you guys talk. You're humanoids. You talk. Did, did you did you talk to them and say, "Hey, are you going? Where are you going? Are you are you going to Saskatchewan? Maybe I'm going to lean there." Was there a little talk like that behind
7: the scenes? I mean, yeah, we 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 communicated throughout the whole offseason. I even got to see. Him. We actually both went down to a conference in St. Louis and got to to speak together. Uh, and uh, yeah, we even talked to them before free agency even started, and we didn't even know. We had no idea what was going to happen. And I was just, I was I remember telling him, I was like, man, it'd be so, so awesome to go to Sask. And he'd be like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And, and then a couple months later, uh, find out we both get to go there. And, and, uh, yeah, definitely excited to get to play with him again and continue to grow with him. We got families, uh, by the same stages, uh, got both have two kids, one on the way, and and just really enjoy enjoy getting to know him and and his family over the last couple of years, and so I'm I'm excited to play with him and continue to grow on the field as well.
1: Does your family come up here with you? Will they come? Will they travel up here with you?
7: Yep, yep. My family always comes up, so yeah, we're we're looking forward to to being in Regina and just uh, seeing seeing the city and, and enjoying the summer up there.
1: So your quarterback, Trevor Harris, I was reading an old article, said this guy, when he's healthy, he's a top-five receiver in the league. Do you, do you believe you're a top-five receiver in the league, Jake, and why?
7: I definitely do. Uh, I, th- I think uh, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, I would say one thing. Uh, something that I just know about myself is I'm just gonna come come to work every day and do whatever uh, I can to help the team. I'm gonna to get better every single day and 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 I just think that I can do a lot of different things to to help the team and, and, and I'm very just confident in, in my abilities knowing that whenever the ball comes my way, uh probably myself on on catching it and, and, and making plays.
1: What's the one route Jake Weineke, that nobody will be able to defend Trevor Harris and and, and TD Jake on? What's that one route?
7: <laughs> whatever 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 it goes
1: calls. Oh, come on Weineke. don't don't, don't <laughs> listen. I want to know what I'm looking for when I'm calling the games here like where if, if you if you need to get open and move the sticks, what's the one route that you feel most comfortable running? Let me word it that way
7: the most comfortable running out. I'm pretty confident in a lot of a lot of different routes. But I think what my favorite thing, uh, especially I've been in the slot the last couple of years. I think I'm gonna be in the slot again this year. is just uh, anything that I have options. If I can, uh, like it, even even a couple of different routes that look the same, mm-hmm. um, I think it's just very hard to guard. Um, I can all, I can dress it up the same and say I have an out route and an in route at both at the same depth. Say it's at both at like ten yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's gonna be really hard to guard because they don't know where I'm going. Two way go, do, and I'm going to make him think I'm doing the opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah. Two way go, love it, man. I love it. And uh, talk about playing with Harris. You you mentioned that he you speak together, your friends, same same thing in your life. And you talked about uh, maybe playing in Sask. But how important is it to come to a new place, but know that quarterback and just talk about that chemistry between you and Trevor Harris?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think it takes time with a quarterback and receiver just to kind of understand how. Uh, for, especially for a quarterback to understand how our receiver is running routes, how he's getting open, just the timing there, and then also for us understanding how, how the quarterback's thinking, how he wants things ran, and, and, and just how he's going to deliver the throws. So I think it's just, uh, super important to just kind of have that, and, yeah, I've been playing with him for a year and a half, so we've had a lot of, a lot of reps, and, and it's been fun to grow and, and even just learn from him daily. I mean, he's such a, such a smart guy. I mean, I think, you know, that probably anybody that's been around him or watched him play, um, he's, he's as smart as they get, and, and he's, as intentional as it gets about just his preparation and, and just the way that uh, he knows what everybody's doing, he knows what the defense is doing, and and he just, he just uh, it all stems from his preparation I think, just he knows what's going to happen before the game even starts and then when the game unfolds, he'll tell you exactly what's going to happen at certain times what coverage is to expect, all these different things, and, and it happens <laughs> and it just it blows your mind sometimes, it's like man, like, how did he know that? Because he prepares
1: Are you going to get number 9?
7: Uh I think I'll be number one. Uh nine and nineteen are both taken. I was nineteen in high school and college and I've been nine uh for a while, so uh going yeah. to number one.
1: Dolagala's got nine, I think. Yeah. So you're gonna be number one. That's good. I like that. Taking Shaq's yeah. old number and yeah. number number one in your heart, number one in the program. It's T D Jake. I can't wait to call your first touchdown as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Uh we'll check you out at training camp. Can't wait to see you in the in person.
7: Yeah, I can't wait. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so much fun. It's going to be a fun season, and I just can't wait to, to get this ass and get going.
1: Jake Wieneke joining us. Thanks, man. Take care.
7: Yep, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: We're going to check in with the Ottawa Red Blacks at the Combine, which opened today in Edmonton. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers
0: your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty
1: Six Twenty CKRM. The busy show coming up after five thirty. The GM of your Rough Riders, Jeremy O'Day, from the combine in Edmonton, and where are they now Wednesday? Lance Frazier will join us in our walk down memory lane. Hey, quickly, the Jets have signed McCole Hardman, receiver from the Kansas City Chiefs. And they have traded, uh, was it Elijah Moore, a receiver from the Jets to the Browns. Number eight is open, and that is my prediction. Aaron Rodgers will wear number eight, because he did wear that in his... Past life before the California Green Bay Packers, Golden Bears. There you go. So mark it down. The sports cage predicts Aaron Rodgers in New York, which isn't a big surprise. And Aaron Rodgers wears number eight. We just had another revelation. Jake Weineke is going to wear number one in Saskatchewan. So get your number one Weineke jerseys. We're talking about the combine in Edmonton. Love to watch it, but it's not streaming anywhere—at least not right now. Although I'm hoping, like they did last year, the one-on-ones are streamed uh, towards the end of the week because that's always good to watch. Uh, but the first draft pick is held by the Ottawa Red Blacks, and Sean Burke was asked about that and other things at the combine
3: well i th- I think combine's a-, a good time to look at your process, and you know we believe we have a, a thorough process in place, so that will prevent influence from happening, but it's a time where you get to see cream rise to the top type of thing, where you really get to see the alphas of the group. That's something I focus on specifically is seeing who are the guys jumping at the top of the lines, uh, who's the guys taking the extra reps, who's not getting tired, those type of factors, but at the end of the day, this is just one of the tools in in the in the draft uh, toolbox of uh, making selections when you pick, and uh, you know we all say it; it's a cliche in football, but film don't lie at the end of the day, and. Uh, the body of work they have on film is the greatest impact of uh, where they'll get selected, in my opinion.
8: When so many players opt out of being
0: drafted in the Canadian Football League, how does that change your plan? Has it affected it directly? Uh, just generally speaking, and uh, not to be specific.
9: I don't think it necessarily changes. When you say opting out, I don't know that necessarily they opt out of the Canadian draft. You know, whether they opt out of this uh, combine, um, at the end of the day, everybody makes personal choices on what they want to do. At the end of the day, we want to uh, make sure that uh, we go through this whole process and uh, find the talents that's best available to us and that fits our organization. So um, those players, while they may not be here, we still do a great job evaluating them and knowing uh, finding out whether they'll have an opportunity uh, or a fit with us.
3: Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you control what you can control. And there's obviously a a couple high-end prospects that opted to go back to school. The way I've always looked at things is every Player in the, at the youth Sports level has the opportunity to go back, and we we embrace that. We ask those questions at combine of where they stand with it. You know, we drafted Daniel Valente last year in the fourth round with complete understanding of knowing that he was going to go back to school. And the reality of our league is these guys need to get educations to to have down the road to to do things. We're not a a league that's going to set you up financially for the rest of your life. Uh, Uh, usually for the most part. So uh, we definitely respect that process. Uh, I've always been in a draft room where there's always been kids in the draft, be it if they opted in or out, that we're not going to come and play for your team that year. So you just have to make sure you have the informed information before you make those selections. And with these guys opting out, you have it a little earlier and more defined than usual.
8: I'm Tim Baines. Please go ahead, Tim.
10: Over to you, Coach Dice. I wanted to ask you, this will be your first time at a combine as head coach of a Canadian Football League team. How important, in your mind, is what goes on in the interview room when you're talking to a player, it's not how physical he is, it's it's about what kind of person he is. How important is is a performance while you're talking to him? Well,
9: you know, I think it certainly bears some weight. Um, like Sean says, we have a really good process here and, and we work through it. Um, you know, this is a people business, so I think the, the opportunity to have these interviews is massive. You get a chance to interact with these people and, you know, whether you're starting to build a relationship or find out... Uh, what type of person they are uh, in that type of uh, one-on-one scenario is always great because you're gonna find out uh, <clears throat> get a little bit deeper knowledge of who they are and so you take that information and, and you plug it into the equation as, as you work forward um, you know I've been at numerous uh, evaluation camps over the years and you know you find out some information um that that maybe you wouldn't have and so it's extremely valuable but at the same time you can't overweight it um you know you watch the film and you get a great idea of what type of player they are and so you just put it in the equation uh with its proper value and you go forward from there
10: do you almost have to be a part-time psychologist when you go in there because How do you determine if a guy's being straight up with you or if he's feeding his stuff that he thinks you want to hear.
9: Well, I think over time, um, you know, that's one of the challenges you you face. And I think a lot of times I say even as a coach, a lot of times you're, you're a psychologist as it is, right? So you're in that situation all the time. You read through the situation to the best of your ability. And the great thing is, you know, when you have a number of people here, lots of people see it different ways. So once we come out of here, we have conversations with regards because one guy could see somebody uh, being a certain way and another one uh, sees it sees it totally different. So we, we work together in that vein. and. And uh, come out with a consensus plan, and we work forward together. I think we all know how important uh, the kicking game is in the CFL. And uh, when you have the opportunity, uh, you know, like we have, to have um, who are good people and uh, good leaders in the organization, you would, you would like to keep them, uh, keep them around. And you know, no, no different than uh, a lot of other positions. Uh, when you have stability like that. You know, free. Everyone talks about free agency going out and getting the other guys. Most important thing, Sean says it all the time is making sure you keep keep the ones in your building. And at at the kicking position, you know, we're blessed to have two guys that uh, we'd like to keep around uh, for a while. Well, Sean,
4: Sean, just wondering, uh, did you get any calls uh, about that first uh, overall pick? Has any team uh, tried their luck to get get that pick?
3: Well, I, I don't discuss too much like that in the in the public, but I think I was asked about it maybe by someone else a couple of weeks ago. I, I think the reality is this weekend with getting a, a bunch of people together and seeing the prospects and the verification out of it, the last month the draft really heats up. Uh, uh, and you saw that with the NFL, obviously, is uh, – they got out of the combine, and then the, the pick uh, was traded uh, about seven to ten days later. I, I don't know if that's ever happened that quickly in our league, but when you get a bunch of like-minded people together that like to discuss things, you can occupy a lot of time, be it rules committee or scenarios that can help your football club.
1: That's the Ottawa Redblacks GM, Burke, and the head coach. Bob Dice, uh, their media availability this week from the CFL Combine. Coming up after our Pat chat on the other side And 530 News, we'll hear from the Rough Riders GM, Jeremy O'Day. On the Sports Cage here in the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM.
2: Sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists. Well, the New York Jets, they're making some deals today. They're signing players. They're making trades. And Noah has not to, nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers, okay? Nothing to do with him. Jets are trading Elijah Moore and their third-round pick to the Browns for their second-round pick. And it doesn't stop there. Nicole Hardman has agreed to terms with the Jets on a one-year deal.
0: Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shun Pats, 620
1: CKRM. And Pat Chats for the Canadian Brewhouse. Get free eats, deals, and prizes when you download the free Canadian Brewhouse app from Google Play or the App Store. Last Saturday, the Pats officially clinched the playoff spot for the first time since 2018 with a 7-3 route of Moose Jaw. The next day, Connor Bedard lit up the scoreboard with his 70th goal of the season and a 4-2 win at Saskatoon. He became the first Pat since Dale Dirkatch. To accomplish that feat. Well, this past weekend was pretty exciting, but it's gonna get even better coming up here in the playoffs. The Pats open up the 2023 postseason on the road with the first two playoff games at home scheduled for April 4th and April 5th. Playoff packages for season ticket holders are currently on sale via your MyPats account. Season ticket holders have until 10 a.m. on Monday to secure their seats for the first round of the playoffs. If the first round package is not purchased by 10 a.m. on Monday, they go on sale to the general public. Go Pats, go!
0: This is Sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio
1: 620 CKRM. Ah, yes. Into the last half an hour of the show, just waiting for Jeremy O'Day to ring us up. He's going to call us from the CFL Combine, general manager of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Get to a few of the questions from the fans. Also here from Lance Frazier. Lance Frazier of... uh, well, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, now a high school coach and athletic director in the Philly area. But let us, without further ado, head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast, Western Pizza. General manager of the Rough Riders, Jeremy O'Day. Jeremy, thanks for taking time and giving me a shout out.
10: Yeah, for sure, Michael. How are you, man?
1: Doing great, man. Doing real well. Uh, listen. Right off the right off the hop here, Steve wants to know what are you looking for, Uh, listener Steve, what are you looking for for the third overall pick or with the third overall pick, best player or position?
10: Well, we traditionally we go best player, um, and sometimes it would be you know if it's if it's close and you have a couple guys that are close, then you might go you might look at your 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 positional needs. Uh, but for more for most cases, it's the best player. But you know, if you're stacked at one position and the next best player is in that position, then you you don't want to draft the same guy in that position, right? So you know, sometimes you'll you'll change up your draft board just a little bit because you have strength in a certain area.
1: Where's the strength of this draft, Jeremy, in terms of position group?
10: Well, it's you know, it just I think that just depends on whether you're you're counting all the guys that are that are in the draft and guys that will be getting signed in the NFL, but. You know, I think overall there's, you know, there's a good group of defensive linemen, uh, solid group of linebackers, but there's there's good players in every position. I think what's what's a little bit different in this one is there's a there's a strong number of guys that are going to get drafted in the NFL um, more so than I remember in the past that are that are really going to be um, not off your board, but they're going to be dropped down because they're going to, they're going to get their chances in the NFL. So that's,
1: uh, that's my next question, Jeremy, does your, does your first pick third overall uh, need to be a guy that comes to camp this year?
10: Um, You'd like them to, you, you definitely would like them to Michael, but you, you know, it's one of those situations where um, we don't actually feel like we're um, in terrible position at, at any position and for our Canadian depth and, and where we're at, we've got some good players and, in each of our ratio changing positions. And, um, so we have flexibility to, to do what we want. Obviously there's some areas we want to improve and get better at, but, um, you know, it's all just a matter of, you know, what will be there at three, whether we're we'd stay at three, whether we would move, uh-huh. um, all that's kind of yet to be determined, but, um, yeah, that's that's where we're at right now. Can you
1: can a combine uh, one way or the other really change your opinion that way? Whether you move down or 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 make a make a move to move up, and and how much stock do you put into the combine?
10: Um, I don't know if the the combine is going to be the determining factor whether you would move move from where you're positioned in the draft or, or you know look at moving up or down. Um, but I, I would say that it definitely it definitely does you know tilt your draft board or change your draft board and in both ways. Um, it could be for the better or for the worst. You know, I, I, think that, you know, sometimes you come here after you watch film on guys and you're excited about them and maybe they don't test or athletically, they don't show as good as you had hoped. Um, and it could, it could hurt them in the, in the, uh, in your, on your draft board, but and vice versa, there could be a guy that, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, um, didn't have the the numbers, uh, and university that you thought they would have, or, um, you know, you, you look at Keenan, uh, Schaefer Baker, which, um, you know, he didn't have, you know, these outstanding numbers, but he also had limited opportunities and something that we kind of caught on to watching the film was, you know, the opportunities that were coming his way. And um, you know, whether, whether the, the balls were accurate, they were being thrown to him. And, um, you know, so we, we actually, you know, his combine helped, but if, when his case, he actually had, had a limited combine because he went to a regional and then it was a COVID year. So, mm-hmm. um, Dakota Shepley is a guy that I used before that, you know, that we liked on tape, but when he came to the combine, he really, um, set himself apart physically. Um, uh, and, and that, that really raised his stock coming out of the combine. So you want to be careful not to, to lower a guy too much if the tape's really good you don't want to get fooled and you know if a guy can't run a 40 as fast as you want him to you, you know you still got to watch the tape and make sure that you're weighing heavily on the film
1: Jeremy um are you like other uh, personnel guys in the league where you're a little surprised that some people have opted out uh, and and you know are going to go in 2024 instead of this year
10: yeah, we were. There were some surprises in the draft, and, and to be honest, a little bit of disappointment that some of the guys dropped out and moved it to the next draft class, and guys that I really felt were going to go pretty high in the draft and get an opportunity to start their pro careers early. But everyone has, you know, different reasons for that. Some guys, um, you know, had great success and they want to go back and maybe have an, a bigger opportunity, or um, I don't want to say a better opportunity because um, I don't, I don't think that's uh, the right wording, but. Um, I think that they, you know, they just, they decide that on their, on their own. And some of them may feel like they're not ready and need another year of uh, university and they go back. But yeah, there was some surprises there with some of the guys that um, kind of pushed their draft year back a year.
1: Jeremy O'Day joining us for a couple more minutes from the combine in Edmonton. So uh, Chris Jones mentioned this, and I'm wondering if uh, you agree with this nils, and it might affect the the level of talent you can attract to the CFL because they're making money in college now for their image and likeness. Uh, is do you do you find that too? In terms of, uh, are you keeping an eye on that? I guess.
10: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely starting to impact us, or it's you know it already has impacted us. I know that. Um, we, we had a quarterback within the last two years that was on our negotiation list that, um, in the conversation with, uh, you know, coaches that coached him and knew him real well. Um, the conversation was, you know, do you think he'd come up and play in the CFL and, and the comment was, you know, I think he already has a couple of businesses that he, that he started because of the money that he made from, from the nil program. Right. So, um, you know, these guys are, they're, they're getting money in college and they're, they're getting opportunities and, You know, in some cases, these guys would be taking a pay cut to come play in the the CFL um, from what they got in college. Right. So it's definitely going to have an impact um, moving forward. But again, I think I think what's important is, you know, if if a guy loves football and he wants to play football, then he's going to take the opportunity. And, you know, we've had we've had it go the other way where, you know, we've had NFL players that have made a lot of money that say, you know, I just want to continue playing football. So they still come and play. Right. Mm -hmm. So it goes both ways. Um, but I would say that you, that's that's fair to say that that is going to have an impact on us.
1: Kean Schaefer Baker hip surgery. Um, how's the rehab coming in ballpark for me? When you think we might actually see him on the field this year?
10: Yeah. So yeah. So Keen he, he had uh, he had hip surgery. Um, I think just a little over two or three weeks ago, um, shortly after he did all of his NFL workouts and um, really kind of right after free agency opened up, he. He had surgery and so he's a few weeks into his, uh, his recovery and he's doing well. He's in there working, uh, with our trainers and, and improving each day and working hard to get back. And I think he's, you know, Keenan's he's a positive guy and he's, um, you know, he's just excited to, to have it fixed and, and to start working towards getting back on the field. So it's kind of TBD to be returned. Um, there's possibility that it could be, you know, up to six weeks and, um, you know, it's just a lot to, a lot to be, Yet to be determined on how everything goes with the rehab, but we do expect him to miss uh, um, at least the first third of the season.
1: But that's one area you addressed. We had Jake Wieneke on a little earlier, and he's poised to a rebound from last year. thinks he's a top five receiver in the league. How do you feel about the group in the interim till KSB gets back?
10: Yeah, I think we're still in good shape. I really do. Um, when you look at Braden Lenny, so be brought back that, that that went to the NFL and came back to us. Um, Sam Amelius that we drafted in the first round uh, last year. We think he's got the potential to be a really good receiver. So, um, you know, we uh, we added Ruskison in uh, free agents. We have Mitch Picton. So we, we feel like we're in good shape uh, with Canadians um, until until Shafe gets back. And then the Americans, as you can tell, we we went and um, kind of changed the whole look of our receiving core with that with and Jake and uh, Sean Bain as a speed guy. And then uh, we're happy that we've got Darrell Walker later and, in free agency, so we've got a good group of, you know, veteran guys. We've got a, a guy that's kind of in the the middle of his career in Jake, and then a, a younger uh, younger guy in Bain that's, you know, just kind of starting out in his career in the CFL. So we feel good about it. We're we're also, you know, hoping that some of the guys that we had from last year, the the, the Tevin Joneses and Chester Wees, those are good. They're good football players. They're going to compete uh, with those guys as well, and um, they also bring a lot to the table. And and then we got to recruit as well.
1: All right, yeah, absolutely. And lastly, Jeremy, we'll end on this one. What about uh, what you did on the O line? I mean, I was pretty happy uh, from my standpoint. Godberg comes in here. I think Philip Blake, obviously, is a nice Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. And then you got the Americans, kind of Potassi, Hawkins, and Lofton, just to name three.
10: Yeah, we, we, we want to, you know, it, was, it wasn't it a, was a real um, heavy, similar to last year, it wasn't real heavy with American tackles. I think, you know, there was um, you know, a couple American tackles that. That we were, um, you know, we were definitely in on. Um, and then as time went on, we felt like, um, you know, we weren't going to have an opportunity to sign those guys. But um, you know, Philip Blake just brings a, a, a whole bunch to the table because he can play all five spots. He can really play any position on the O line, and and he's really good at it. He's a he's a physical player, um, guy that's you know played for a long time. He was a third round pick in the NFL, but um, you know has the experience of what caught our eye. To bringing them back is just watching play tackle a position that we we want to improve at right so um he did a nice job in in two thirds of the season playing tackle um, you know our hope is we go in and the Americans are hopefully as good as we we uh, we hope they are and and that they you know do a nice job and we, we can still play with two Americans, but if you do have to play with philip, he gives you a lot of flexibility in the ratio as well right so and then Peter Godberg was you know someone that we we watched for the last two years at b c was right up there in the least amount of sacks to start the first half of the year. And, um, you know, they were lighting it up on offense and, you know, we did a lot of work on Peter and he was really ecstatic that we were, we were um, wanting to bring him over. And and we just, you know, we give a lot of credit to uh, Kyle Carson, our assistant GM, who um, really helped out with that one. And, and uh, fortunate enough that we got Peter over. So we feel pretty, pretty good about it. We made a lot of changes on offense, as you know, and we're, looking forward to putting them all together and and, uh, getting the training camp.
1: Well, we're looking forward to the rest of the Combine and the draft ahead. Jeremy, we'll let you uh, have some downtime, although I don't know if you get much right now, but uh, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Appreciate it, man. right, appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Take care. That is uh, Jeremy O'Day, the general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll wrap up with Where Are They Now? Wednesday next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. This Day in
2: Sports History, brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 22, 1969, UCLA wins the Men's Basketball Championship, beating Purdue to complete the three-peat. Lew Sindor is named the tournament
0: M.O.P., they're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now?
1: And in our Where Are They Now segment here, we're talking with Lance Frazier, my old buddy from the radio and from Rider Lore. How are you today, Lance? Hey, man. Hey,
8: living the dream ballsy. Good to be back on. Uh, trying to thaw out, you know, from the winter mm-hmm. here in uh, Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you know, life is
1: good. You're in a great sports area, Philly. Uh, what are you doing there now? Just to re, uh, re uh, engage the fans with that. I am working at
8: a high school in uh, Pennsylvania, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Kennett High School. I'm the uh, assistant athletic director here. Uh, been here. This is my fifth year, man. Time is flying. Uh, and also the, uh, head football coach
1: here at the high school. Wow. It's kind of like the GM and the coach. That's kind of interesting.
8: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a conflict of interest. I'll tell you that. Um, so I, I get to hear both sides, you know, the coach side, the, uh, the parent side. And then, you know, um, you know, the scheduling and all of that stuff with the officials and teams and buses and all of that stuff too. Uh, with the AD piece as well, so uh, it's fun. It's fun. I'm always around sports. Um always around the kids, uh, which is
1: uh, my passion. So,
8: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, man, I, I couldn't. I couldn't complain. Do you aspire to go higher? Like, what's your end game, Lance Fraser? College football.
8: That's my. That's my next move. Uh, you know, Lord willing, uh, and the stars align. Uh, I would love to, you know, coach at the next level. Uh, haven't really thought about it from the professional ranks but I, I do know uh i, I want to continue to work with young men and pour you know wisdom into them and, and prepare them you know on the field and then also off the field uh so hopefully hopefully college is the next step
1: lance how do you go from running back you came up as in the offensive backfield to going to the defensive backfield <laughs>
8: uh that that's that's interesting i i in high school i you know i did a little bit of both uh you know, practiced at, you know, offense, running back and a little bit of receiver and played at D back on Friday night. So I did both. Um, and then I got to college, never took another offensive snap. They, they knew right away I was recruited by most schools as a defensive back. I only had two schools recruit me as an offensive player, uh, slot receiver. Um, and that was all she wrote, you know, got to college, played well at D back and, and, and that was it. I, I came in kicking and screaming. though. I did not want to to play defense at all. I, I thought for sure, like every kid that picks up a football, that you know, I'm an offensive player and I'm going to score touchdowns.
1: Mm, yeah, it's crazy, man. My son was a receiver all through high school. Uh, made the switch to defensive back, so he's playing safety in NCAA football. And he said, you know, Dad, I have a new appreciation for defensive back. That is a, that is way tougher than receiver.
8: Yeah, oh yeah, it's impossible. And it's like uh, every year there's some sort of rule change in football that, that makes it suck for a defender, and especially if you're trying to cover receivers. If, if you're trying to sack the quarterback or cover somebody, you know, it's like like they, they go to some lab every year, some meeting room, <laughs> some boardroom, and try to figure out how to make this game tougher for those guys.
1: Yeah. Lance Fraser, uh, what was your welcome to the NFL moment when you got on the field and took meaningful snaps with the Dallas Cowboys?
8: My welcome to the NFL moment was a Monday night, uh, in Dallas, uh, versus the Eagles with, with Terrell Owens over there on the other side of the ball. Um, I was a, a punt returner in a starting, uh, right corner and, uh, I muffed two punts. The lights were a little too bright trying to run every ball I got back and I muffed two punts. Then, uh. There was an in and around. T.O. was running the reverse, and he didn't see me coming. I'm thinking I'm going to light him up. I'm going to knock him out. And I did. I hit him pretty hard, and I got up and celebrated. And then it felt like somebody stabbed me in my ribs, uh, and they had to literally drag me off the field. Uh, torn car- cartilage, um, some of the most excruciating pain I've ever felt. Uh, that was my intro to the league. You're a little bit too small, and T.O. is a beast. And he's hard to take down even if you don't, even if he doesn't
1: see you. Is that one of the times maybe he didn't trash talk though? Cause you whipped them good.
8: Uh, he, he popped up like I, I was like a flea or a mosquito. Like he popped up. He didn't even notice he got hit hard. So he kind of like just brushed me off and ran to the huddle.
1: Like it didn't matter. Hey, uh, were you, de- yeah, were yeah. you depressed when you had to come to the CFL? You didn't know much about Canada probably or the CFL game. You're at the highest of highs playing a, a, an NFC East match, the America's team against the Eagles. And now you got to come to the CFL.
8: No, nah, I'll be honest with you. It, it was quite the opposite. It was very humbling to me, uh, coming to Canada and playing the position of D-back. Like we just talked about, it always gets a bit harder. You know, when guys get to run, you know, 20 yard head start at your full speed and you, they want you to bump and run and all of that stuff. Like, I'm like, how do people actually do this? So, you know, playing that position was actually harder to me than it was to play, you know, uh, you know, football south of the border. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took it took me some time to get the timing down with all of that motion, and then plus the angles are different because the field is a bit wider and longer. So the trajectory of the ball, the angles that you used to take on the ball to to, to make a play on it change. So it, it literally took me um, almost a full season to kind of get that down. So I, I had tremendous respect for the CFL game when I got there, um, and uh, was was actually very happy and comfortable you know, with the choice after I made it, you know, a lot, lot less politics. I know we have the, uh, you know, the, um, the ratio thing to to fight. Um, But, you know, that's, that's like going camping if you you compare it to football in the NFL.
1: Mm, Yeah. That's a good point. Lance Fraser joining us here. And where are they now? Uh, What was your first impression of just like Regina, Saskatchewan, the fan base? Uh,
8: it, It was like, none other it actually um reminded me more of like uh that college atmosphere you know where where you know like the 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 town is all the whole province actually is 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 geared up and really really genuinely excited and pumped up for games um you know the nfl is a little little bit different uh it's a little bit more professional you know but i I, unless you unless you come to philly don't get me wrong philly fans are nuts but uh, um the the fans in regina was was you know they were there, I think we went on that streak when I was there where we had uh, x amount of games uh sold out in a row mm-hmm. um it just it just was a ledger like you knew like you can actually feel the heartbeat and the post of the uh, of the province and, and how much pride they took in in into that that franchise.
1: what sticks with you more a gray cup win in o seven when you join the team or two gray cup losses, especially that o nine one
8: uh it's always going to be the win. You know, it's always going to be the win. I remember that, that game in Toronto, 07, Winnipeg. Um, you know, so much, uh, pageantry around it with, you know, Ken Austin coming back, um, being the last person or the last quarterback to win uh, a great cup for the province and, uh, having him as, as the leader of that squad and just, just to build up all year, you know, you, you set out a goal and, and, you know, a, a dream, and and you come together as a team, and just that whole process. It was it was bigger than the game. It was like how we got there that year. You know, we hit some bumps in the road early, and you know, we always said it's the team that's the hottest at the end is, is the ones that are going to win the championship. So no matter what happened, you know, early in the season. It's the teams that got the hottest, and we were hot.
1: Hey, are you still an advocate for our league and what you do now when you're talking to the young guys? And, hey, I know you have a dream to play in the NFL, but there's this to do, too, if you want.
8: Always, man, always. I'm, I'm a huge advocate, you know, of that league, man. And, and it's funny, like, so my son is, is in college now, mm-hmm. uh, playing, playing D-back right now. And, uh, you know, he's already said to me, Dad, you know, if I don't if I don't go to... You know, one of these leagues down here, you know, because now we have, like, seven of them missing, <laughs> the XFL, the, the USFL, and, you know, there's all kind of leagues to play in and opportunities. But, you know, even he is like, you know, dad, I'll, I'll go to the CFL and Heartbeat. Like, I'm actually looking forward to having an opportunity to go. So, you know, between him and, you know, my guy here that I coach and, like you say, anybody that I can, you know, get in front of, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunities out there for you to continue to play really, really good football and you'll be surprised about how awesome the ball is in Canada.
1: You are a great uh, person to ask these last two questions to. First off, give me um, some advice for uh, youth coaches, youth football coaches. What makes a good coach at the youth football level, high school, junior high, that type of thing?
8: Uh, forget all the X's and O's. If, if if you're stepping out there on the field, you'll get those they will come to you. Uh, the most important part is, the relationships that you build. And I know that's cliche and we hear, we're starting to hear that more and more. Uh, it's about the culture that you set, the relationships that you build. Um, once that's strongly in place, the kids will run through a brick wall for you. They're going to execute, you know, your scheme, no matter how uh, advanced it is or, or or whatever. It doesn't really matter if if they're going to execute it. They're going to execute it for the guy that they trust and really feel like they they've created some type of a bond with, and that the culture is clear um and, and 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 everybody understands it, you know, and they're willing to they're willing to protect it with their own life.
1: Lastly, Lance, what advice do you have for the up and coming player listening to this, for a guy like your son? Uh, but people listening to this, young players, what kind of advice does Lance Fraser have?
8: Uh always be a student of the game and be willing to sacrifice your time, your 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 everything for you know, whatever you want this to be. You know, you got to outwork everybody. You got to out-prepare everybody. You know, it's not always about height, weight, speed. You know, uh, I I wasn't a height, weight, speed guy, but I outworked everybody. I was smarter than everybody. Um, and then also, find you a great mentor or mentors. Borrow from their game. You know, uh, I had guys like Eddie Davis and Omar Morgan who, who really helped accelerate my success in the CFL.
1: Lance, it was great catching up with you again. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. I love that guy, man. Number 15 to the sky. Love it. 1-5, 1-5 to the sky. I love when we sign him from Dallas. Now, where are they now? Wednesday brought to you by Floor Coverings International. Need new flooring? Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub brings the showroom to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com today. It's been such a busy show. We are over time, so we're out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Today's Sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source 620 CKRM.